2: Excuse my wrapper. I'm just opening a Belvita. Oh, nice! <laughs> oh, that's very nice. I've got a packet of McVitie's chocolate hobnobs. Oh, you swine! Have you seen what? How many calories per biscuit those are? Oh, I imagine like a big. They're about ninety calories each. 92? Per, there Ninety-two. There we go. Ninety-two per biscuit. Ninety-two oh, calories per biscuit. Lovely. Well, I've never had less than six of this. Oh,
0: subject. no, this whole packet's going oh, no. today.
1: I'd, I'd prefer to have zero than one. Yeah. Mutual oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once you've had one, you have yeah. to yeah. have another one. And I think the self discipline and self control it would involve to only have one hmm. hobnob is impossible.
2: When you're like a tray of biscuits and people have one, I mean, that's borderline psychopathic behaviour, isn't it? It's just odd. <laughs> it's like Jaffa cakes, isn't it? If
0: you, oh, yeah. if you eat one yeah, Jaffa yeah. cake, you're odd. Yeah.
1: There's something in those biscuits. Well, the smashing,
2: smashing orange bit.
1: <laughs> no, but there's there's some brain trigger
2: that prevents you from just having one. Mm. They're nice, That's nice. Yeah,
0: the deliciousness <laughs> is what's in them. No,
1: but lots of things are nice. But I can, I can, I, I enjoy apples. But when I eat an apple,
2: I don't think oh, I'm gonna have another four of these. I think it's fat and sugar, so I, I just think... Yeah,
0: there's very little fat and sugar in apples. That's sugar. Your
2: body has evolved yeah. to want to pack calories on mm. for survival. Yeah. yeah. So you're some something that's high fat, high sugar. Yes. Your body goes, yeah, more of that, please.
0: I need to yeah. survive this podcast recording by eating a packet
2: of Hobnobs. An apple's nice, but I wouldn't have six apples. I wouldn't have six apples. <laughs> People think you're a fucking maniac. Come <laughs> another apple. Have you just had five apples, Mike? Oh, just another one. <laughs> really delicious. I always, I always have six apples with a cup of coffee.
0: Just buying a packet of oh. apples and going through them all. <laughs> the same way you would with some Jaffa <sighs> You eat the whole bag of Jaffas.
1: infinite front, in front of Songs of Praise. Six apples and a cup of tea. <laughs> imagine it. you're
2: going to watch like, yeah, go to the park with your mates and just open, take out like two bunches of bananas and eat all of them. <laughs> Well, that's the same as having, like, a little box of those mini flapjacks.
1: Might just had 12 bananas. Take that tray of pears away from me. <laughs> don't leave those there. I, I, oh, if I have, only have one, I'll have 10.
2: Why are you doing, t- Cal? I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> Leaving a big bowl of fucking fruit in front of me.
1: Oh, stuff it, I'll have a fourth cucumber.
2: <laughs> when you trying to lose a bit of weight, when people say, like I say, if you like a chocolate bar... Yes. Have a chocolate bar. Yeah. Right? Don't keep thinking about it. No. Just do some exercise and burn it off. But Dildo, you say to you, "Well, if you don't want something sweet, have an apple." What manner of idiot? Yeah. Snickers has an apple, apple instead of a Mars bar. Yeah. Right. I'll have, I'll, have a, I'll have a Kit Kat chunky instead of a Mars bar. Yes. Yes. Not an apple. It's not the same thing.
0: It's not even the same family.
2: If I fancied a really big steak, you would say, "Oh, I'll have a pack of crisps, wouldn't you? Pack of crisps." No, it's not the same thing. That's steak. This is crisps. <laughs> a chocolate you like sweet things, don't you?
1: Yeah. Lick a Canderal. No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Stoner, are you? Yeah. Get them on cheese, do Yeah. why don't you fill your fridge with iceberg lettuces? <laughs> and then, when you're watching Field of Dreams for the fourth time, because you can't be bothered to change <laughs> it, you just go and have a big bite of an iceberg lettuce.
2: That's why swapping, when people say to me what sort of calories are you eating, I'm trying to lose weight, my, my answer is always eat what you enjoy. If I had four iceberg lettuces, yes, I could not wait to wang a flipping Snickers king size down me. One of them duos, Ooh. straight down. I, I, I don't really understand calories anyway, so I'll quite. I don't think I. I, yeah. I can I don't
1: think I could eat a second apple. Oh, I, I could. Never eaten
2: two apples in a row in my life. I could. Have you ever done it? No, but as a challenge, if you're setting me a challenge. Oh, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying...
0: The risk of being <laughs> Adam, Adam Richmond of health foods.
2: It's never been done. It's like with booze, right? If you went to a pub yes. in a day and drank 12 pints of Ribena... Yes, yeah, I was people thinking People think you're mentally unwell. Yeah. It's, it's, ooh, it, well, if you've got mates who don't drink
0: and they're mm. in your round and they're <laughs> yeah. nailing 12 pints of lemonade and Another orange Another pint
1: juice. of soda water, mate? Nothing, no, no thanks, honestly. I've had six. I'm really full. If I go to the pub and I'm not drinking... yeah. Mm. I will drink way more than I would if I was at home. Yeah, or you will because
2: a pint of lemonade would last you all day. You shouldn't be drinking a pint of lemonade every ten minutes.
1: Yeah, but if I was if I was driving or something, but i had gone out for a drink, <laughs> I probably would keep up with my. You mates, would, but I would be drinking day or water. Or, yeah, you're odd. And you would think what's going on. Yeah,
0: well, so like if you drink hot chocolate rather than coffee in a coffee shop, you look weird. If you have four hot chocolates. Yes. During yeah. a, imagine doing a business meeting in a coffee shop and, <laughs> and you're just going, hot chocolate Hot chocolate, please.
2: mate? Yes, please. No, no
0: whipped yeah. cream this time, Marshmallows again. <laughs> Marshmallows again, yeah, that would be weird. You've already
2: had four. Yeah, I can't, I can't operate before four or five hot chocolates in the morning. Always
0: oh, have four or five before <laughs> I start work.
2: Oh, I'm, grump- I'm grumpy if I don't get my hot chocolate in the morning. You, How many do you have? About seven or eight a day? you got any Horlicks? See, Belvedas are right because they ultimately unsatisfying them. They, they come in ones in those foil wrappers. Yes. Do you want one now? Another Belvedas? Packet of hot knobs. <laughs> And some, yeah, and a packet of chocolate digestives at the dealing. But I don't
0: understand, like, calories, so it doesn't impact. Her. You can tell me that's 90 calories. I can't quantify that, and I'm
2: not bothered. What do you mean you, can't, what do you, mean you don't understand calories? No, well, well that's that as it, concept.
1: I, no, I'm the same. I've never, ever calorie counted. I don't understand what it means. I don't know what a lot if is. If you told and... me that this bottle of water
0: contained 17 calories, I'd go, know, okay. It's water. Yeah, but I, I don't, it
1: doesn't.
2: I I know what's good and what's bad for you. I know that. Just a of measure of is energy, isn't it? Just a measure of energy.
1: That's all it is. An espresso. The calories not a thing. In yeah. A coffee machine at the BBC is eight calories. Is it? Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, because it tells you. <laughs> yeah, but I
2: mean, I, I've I've five grams of sugar with that. Another twenty calories. Didn't you do the calorie experiment when you were a kid in school no. with a peanut? Well, we burned a peanut. peanut that's the one. Well, that's a calorie experiment.
0: I don't remember the reason behind it. I just remember burning stuff. you
2: were trying to find out how how. Burning one peanut will increase an amount of water by how many degrees? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think it just then led to burning stuff in our school, though.
2: Doesn't one calorie raise the temperature of one cubic centimetre of water by one degree or something like that? I don't know. There's something like that. There's something okay. is along those lines. It's one of those subjects. If you're, if you're a primary school te- kid, going to secondary school...
0: Hmm. Stop listening. It's not for you, why, this.
2: Why the average secondary school chemistry teacher, or physics teacher, I should say, science yeah. teacher in general... When I was in school it was they were three separate things, right? Yes. Was a fraud, really. Go on. Right. You got a, a year six open day and for P E you might do some relay races, you might do a bit of touch rugby, you might do a bit of three five a side football. In year seven, you might do the same thing. But a five a side football, but a touch rugby. Open days. You go to your physics open day, uh, you, you, you'd fill up balloons with gases, or you, or you do all these yeah, amazing, or you yeah. make things go bang, or you drop lithium in a tank. Oh, this is, mm. this is brilliant. And then your first lesson of physics, always, was just draw and label a Bunsen burner. <laughs> right? yeah. Just fucking boring. <laughs> yeah. It went from being brilliant. Uh, they, physics teachers in secondary school managed to make the, everything... I mean, I mean physics, by physics I mean everything around us, the universe Yes How can you make that not interesting? <laughs> yeah But they manage it Yeah They manage it with Robin a Robin Ince
1: always makes this point Hang on, how can space and the universe It'd Be shit Somehow be done yeah. yeah Why am I drawing a fucking, why do I know what a gauze it
2: looks like? And a tripod A wire gauze And how far to open a Bunsen burner collar <laughs> And what colour different flames it makes I don't give a fuck I care about the origin of life and the universe, which is what physics should be. You watch like one of those, um, what's the thing with, the, who's the dude who was in uh, in Dream? What's his name? d Yeah. Oh, uh, Brian Cox. Brian uh, Cox. Yes.
1: Yeah, or um, uh, Sagan, uh, the American who wrote Cosmos. Carl, oh, Carl, is Carl, is Carl Sagan. Yeah, Carl Sagan, yeah. Yeah, so
2: you watch one of those and you think, my God, this is amazing. What's this physics? What's this called? Physics. I'm into physics. And then, you know, line up, line up for to go and get a Bunsen burner each. But that's (laughs) school, though, isn't it? That's like school,
0: so horrible histories compared to your history lessons in school.
2: No, 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 because I had Mr Garland. and Mr Garland's history lessons were flipping amazing. Was he the proto Greg Jenner? He was like James Burke, honestly. I've mentioned this before on the pod. Every single history lesson with him just came to life. He was a brilliant bloke, Mr Garland, a fabulous teacher. I loved history because I loved him. And this is pre internet, but he would make things fascinating. But yeah, I, I'm sure there were. I mean, when I started, uh, I'm not going to name the school, but one of the schools I was at, it was just, I, I was trying to do a PE lesson. And they were like, um, Are we going to any books? No, oh, we haven't got a book. You, you haven't got any books? I've got no books. They said, well, the kids kept nicking them. Well, then stop them nicking the books. I mean, I was supposed to teach GCSEP without any, without any textbooks. Well, you yeah, know, the other teacher uses OHPs. I said, okay, well, go and see the head of department. There's no books. No, they kept nicking them. <laughs> right, have you got any OHPs? Oh, well, I have, yeah. Well, can I have them then? Well, they're mine. Well, yeah, can I borrow yours? You're not using them. Well, these are my ones, though. Well, fuck it. Well, how do you want to... Well, you have to photocopy and make your own OHPs. Yeah, but then haven't got any books to photocopy from, have <laughs> How would you expect me to teach a lesson? So why I to do the whole I did like a year of lessons
1: on a whiteboard with a pen. That person, the head of department, is punishing the children, not you. Well, you say he, you jump at a conclusion. Yes. Yeah. Like. Well, he or she. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's limited the school then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just staggered, you know. Physics.
0: Yeah. Should be, the should most be a laugh. incredible thing in the world, shouldn't it? Yeah, all those sciences should be a laugh. Like biology should be fun, yeah. Not fun, no. Rubbish, Weird, isn't it? Geography should
2: be mind-blowing. I love geography. Now, draw an Oxbow Lake. Central Business District, CBDs. Yeah. I don't care. I do not give a monkey's. What can about Pangaea and Gondwana land. Where's that? Pangaea was like the was the original landmass of the whole earth. Okay, what's Gondwana land? Well, it split into two then, didn't it? Oh, okay, gone, cool. Gone you, played yeah. ah, you, know, okay. you played tectonics? Originally, yeah. You know, you played tectonics. Lovely. The volcanism.
1: I had the Weetabix World Atlas, having oh. eaten an awful lot of Weetabix. 87, 88, sent off. What do you call Weetabix then? Weetabix, sorry. I like to eatabix my Weetabix.
2: <laughs> 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 i think there's <laughs> yeah. a marketing trick there, mate.
1: You've got to <laughs> fucking <laughs> patent that. <laughs> yeah. And it used to be the wheatapics. They were, they were characters. One of them was like a skinhead, I think, with yeah. DMs dunk. and braces. If you
2: dunk, yeah. if you know you, what's good for you, you do. Oh, you make it neat wheat, mate. They should threaten you into eating wheatapics. I haven't imagined that. No, that's that's true. You eat, yeah. Make a neat wheat, mate. Yeah. like... Turned up jeans on with with braces. That's right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, a skinhead. At
1: Eighteen eyelid DMs. Yes.
2: When parents like our grandparents, they'd call people bother boys.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. That's what Mum would say. Always oh, a bother the, boy The bother boy Weetabix. Anyway, uh, so I had the Wheatabix. Oh, anyway, Atlas. Yeah, which was fascinating, and I thought, oh, great, I love geography now. And then I didn't click with it at school. And I also the the Weetabix, uh History of the World, I think. <laughs> Or the Weetabix history of Britain from the Norman Conquest onwards? Well,
2: the moment about putting sitting kids in front of the TV, sitting kids would front of a Simon Reeve documentary about anywhere, and it'd be fascinating. Or a Simon Sharma one about yeah. history. Or oh, absolutely, yeah. Professor Cox one. Why, did, why aren't lessons just sitting down watching those? Why would you want to watch something made for a pittance Told by somebody who doesn't want to be there, but you could watch something made that costs millions of pounds by someone who loves that subject. Yes,
1: yeah. Why isn't school just watching telly? I think you've solved school. Yeah, watch okay. telly
2: more. Come watch on. telly in lessons though, and then have, and
1: then have teachers chat about, about telly. Well, the problem is it, it it would make school sound very similar to Michael Owen's Movie Club. Then. Oh, I've <laughs> gotta say, my daughter talk
2: about out of the, out of the mouths of babes absolutely stitched me up properly uh, last week. So she loves, she's that generation, isn't she? Uh, She loves uh, YouTubers. She loves watching stuff on TikTok. Yeah. That sort of thing. So she's a big fan, not that she needs any more followers, this particular person, of Sniper Wolf. Who's that? Well, she is a, I think she's born in this country, one of the States, very young, has now got a YouTube channel, uh, does very well with it. She shoots wolves. (laughs) Well, she's called Sniper Wolf. Very popular. Very popular. My daughter loves Sniper Wolf, right? Yeah. So I was watching the other day, and I, and I was getting increasingly frustrated by them watching TikTok and bits above. She so was on the TV. She's watching this thing, right? I said, oh, she's good, Dad. I said, Oh my God! I said, I said, all now what Sniper Wolf does is she'll watch other TikToks and talk about it and all that stuff to the camera, you know? I said, God! I said, this is the death of entertainment, Ellie. Don't, don't you realize? I said, I said, you want to be an actor one day? Yeah, that's what you're thinking about. I said, people like this. I said, all she's doing. I said, they're not even clips. She has got a, a YouTube channel where people just watch her talk about other people's stuff that they've made. And she went, you do that for a living. I went,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, yeah, good point. Sorry. That's different <laughs> somehow. Yeah. I thought well, that's pretty perceptive for eight years of age, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's
0: bang on. Yeah. yeah. Fair play to her. We do do that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I naturally grounded that did not teach
1: you a lesson oh, obviously
2: how do we get into Weetabix anyway we were talking about something else weren't we? before you Weetabix you Weetabix we'd well, we
1: come up. We come up with a new slogan for it Weetabix you Weetabix yeah it's <laughs> good we oui. look at him Stefan's like oh, straight it. away he's, he's on
0: 33
2: he wants 33% of this bad book <laughs>
0: <doesn't he>? <laughs> straight <laughs> away we split it well, down the middle don't we everything yeah. tell uh, re- oh, you he's represented by
2: Sachi and Sachi straight in
1: the reason I'd brought up Weetabix was those two books imbued in me a love of geography and history yeah the the love of history remained at school and then university. The love of geography didn't. Even though at my school I wouldn't have been able to do both at GCSE level anyway, because you had to choose. But it's it depends on how things are packaged, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: totally. That's my great shame. I couldn't. I love history, mm. and after fourteen, I couldn't take it because it clashed with. I wanted to do PE, and they decided to put PE in the same group as history. I with the theory being, if you like PE, why on earth would you want to do history? <laughs> Yeah. the, the reason I wanted to do history was I really loved history as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like both. But it hasn't you know hasn't stilted me in any way. We are literally doing a podcast about P from the Past. So <laughs> Yeah. Cool. If I could if I could label a Bunsen burn, all my <laughs> dreams have come true.
1: <laughs> Your P from the Past podcast. Yeah. That's a better name, isn't, isn't it? it? A sort of sports bar. Jeez. P from the Past podcast. Much easier to manage. Well, we've already changed the Twitter handle once. I mean, from from TTSB, from at TTSB1 do, to Does TTSB1. Izzy
0: want some help with uh, the, the things we do for love? Twitter handle? Oh, she, what is She that? seems to have taken on board our initial plan. Is it It is.
1: T. W T W D F F
0: is that what yeah. it is but there's no number on it so no one's ever going to find it I don't know what she's doing oh. stick a one on the end tell her
2: Why is the, oh, what, what's that's... the
0: one for what does that do well that's that's what we did with ours it was because Tustable was already taken <laughs> so we stuck a one on <laughs> the end of it who, who what, took
2: what, what dickhead took that
0: I don't know but if Tustable? we're taking if we're taking 33% of the responsibility then it works both ways is all I'm saying. Uh, you can't have my eatabix without my Testable One. <laughs> yeah.
2: Love my eatabix.
0: love, love. <laughs> my Testable One. If
2: you
1: don't love me at my worst. <laughs> my
0: Testable <laughs> One, you, you don't best. deserve me at my eater <laughs> exactly, that was not my worst.
2: Well, I was going to say something, and was, it's was completely gone. That's all right. That's why we no, record for eight hours. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I was describing on the, on the WhatsApp group mm. that this is our Live Aid, essentially, today. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So...
0: The Michael Owens Movie Club that is free for everybody. This one and episode seventy-one, we've kind of crammed into one day. Yeah. So
1: amazingly, for anyone who makes podcasts, this will beggar belief mm. for anyone who's ever made or been involved in podcasts. Mm-hmm. There was serious discussion on the WhatsApp group about whether it could be done today. Yeah. I, yeah. I still think that that discussion will continue because we're all free until six p.m. and we started because when 9/3. you figure in watching the film,
2: it is a nine-hour day. Yeah, but no, or no, no. A normal day. Watch,
1: but like we watched <laughs> yeah. the film yesterday. Yeah, I watched it yesterday. It's we. It's oh, I did. I watched it this morning. Okay, but we can't. With the the discussion was can we can we evolve. record
0: three things?
1: Yeah. In one sitting, one, one and a half episodes. And, and a movie, and club. movie club.
0: Is it doable? I'll say
2: that Phil Collins is in the first one, and then he got on Concord to record the last one. That's how that's how long our day is.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're Phil Collins trying
2: to get... We're at the moment, we <laughs> Was it Phil Collins in Philadelphia? Sort of he was trying to get Philadelphia. Yes, it was, yeah. And they had to keep delaying and delaying and delaying. I wouldn't wait two minutes for Phil Collins He's to do try you trying to solve... <laughs> <laughs> if Phil Collins is in my fucking back garden, I'd be out the front, honest to God. Solve famine, and how much are you spending... On, on a global yeah.
0: footprint, and also getting Phil Collins between two unnecessary things.
2: Yeah, let's do this. So. <laughs> Just that's why, when with the best intentions in the world, mm. when and I'm not, it, it's going to sound cynical. Okay, but when multimillionaires employ you to dig deep, it yes, does great, it does great, doesn't it? If they're jumping on they then asking for your three quid pocket money, you're like, I don't know, mate. you flying fucking Concorde to Philadelphia.
0: Just
1: don't, don't. If you don't fly Phil over there. <laughs> The first person who I'd ever heard criticise that idea was Morrissey. Oh, great. Now I'm Morrissey. Of, of
0: thanks. I come up with shit Twitter handles and I'm Morrissey.
1: But Morrissey, Morrissey was fine until 1987. Yeah, it's, I'm not in 1987. In spring, I was 10. I was fine until 1987 th- as but well. But Mor- the point Morrissey made, which had been grating at me a little bit, but I wasn't clever enough to articulate it, You know, showing pictures of the horrendous famine in Ethiopia and then imploring you to buy a single. I think the actual phrase he said was, for some reason then, rather than blaming governments, you're putting the blame onto some 11-year-old girl in Wigan for not buying a charity single. Mm. Whereas in reality, this is a job for governments to sort out. I remember reading that and thinking, oh, wow, yeah, I'd not thought of it in that way. Which comes back to the point of... uh, the Mike was making of you getting it. multi-millionaires to oh yeah tell normal people well bloody put your hand in your pocket will you yeah
2: didn't Gell offer one of the, like refugee family his house and so and so that's not your main house I mean that's your that's like your third nicest house
1: did he I I'm, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm impressed like with that, that. yeah I can't yeah, yeah
2: no it was yeah, yeah
1: oh fair play to him I think Lineker did that as well
2: didn't he but he doesn't do that does he he doesn't he's not you know give us your fucking money oh, I'm a minute Bob I oh, only make eighty quid a week. <laughs> I'm literally one pay packet away from needing a handout of rice
1: myself. <laughs> okay. Who do you think... Do you remember who played it live here? Okay.
0: Um, all of them. Quo? Yeah. Tears for Fears.
2: Who, who opened the show? Tears for Fears. Freddie Mercury. Uh, Phil Collins. Spandau. Duran Duran. Uh, Hall of Notes. Crosby Stills and Nash. Young. Um, I'll re- Bowie. I'll read,
1: them to you in, I'll read them to you in order if you want. I'd, cool. I'd like you to. I love, I love sport. On, gig, more. gig opened Prince and Princess Wales big gig. Ah, uh, what, what do they pay? Uh, <laughs> Spending all <your> cash. <laughs> the Royal Salute introduced by Tommy Vance from the Rock Show. Interesting. Really? Prince and Princess Wales introduced by Richard Skinner. Then Status Quo opening the Locking show. All over the world. Yeah, yeah. Followed by Style Council. Interesting. Then Boomtown Rats. Oh, yeah. Even though they hadn't cool. had a hit for about five years. Yeah, cashing in. Adamant, uh, Ultravox. Then there was the uh, the Japanese contribution. What's that? I don't remember, I don't remember that. that. Loudness, of Course, Akichi Yazawa, Motaharu Sano. Then Spando Ballet, introduced by Andy Peebles. Elvis yeah. Costello, introduced by Andy Peebles. The Austrian <laughs> contribution, like from Vienna. Then Nick Kershaw, introduced by Tommy Vance, who's in the meantime at a sandwich and a glass was of Andy squash. Peebles, Was he? He's been elbowed out by now. Shard- Sardé. Well, Sardé, is that her name? I can't remember. Sardé. Yeah. yeah. Smooth operator. And then you've got Sting plus Phil Collins. Oh, uh, Jesus. Well, uh, Howard, Howard Jones.
2: AKA the Pittsburgh. Yeah. Russian
1: Russia Anyone want a drink? Contribution. <laughs> like from Moscow. It's a massive queue for the bar, Mike. That's fine, honestly. Brian Ferry, right. Andy Peebles is back. Yes. yes Peebles back, German sure. contribution. Paul Young yeah. with Alison Moyer. Oh, that No Parley album was absolutely ubiquitous wouldn't it go on mm-hmm. U2 Dire Straits Griffith Jones and Mel Smith <laughs> slap some Did comedy, comedy in oh, they do,
0: they do the Dire Straits
1: introduced by Andy Peebles followed by Queen how big well, would they have Griffiths? been wow. I think Griffith Jones and Mel Smith might have introduced Queen actually I think you're right
2: uh, just someone, uh,
1: Bowie and Mick Jagger Bowie farming video The Who
0: oh Bowie gave up a song didn't he Bowie gave up a song so they could play
1: uh And they say nurse has got it tough. Exactly. Uh, the Who, Phil Collins and Steve Blacknell, interview live on the Concorde. Elton John... Right, with- hang on a minute, stop Ooh.
2: there. So not only are they flying Phil Collins on Concorde, the most expensive, <laughs> pollutant plane of all time. Yeah. They're flying an entire film crew. Fi-
1: I think we should go with Phil. <laughs> The interview was made uh, during Santana's performance and only aired by the BBC. Because obviously it was happening in Philadelphia at the same time. Then you've got Elton John with Kiki Dee, George Michael, and Ridgely. Oh, lush. Freddie Mercury, uh, Brian May, Paul McCartney, then the London finale where they all sang Do They Know It's Christmas. In July. Amazing. Very, very... Great gig. Very, very different uh, American line-up. Side got the, the American thing. side... I would say it's probably better. You're starting off with Bernard Watson, Joan Baez, yes. The Hooters, The Four Tops, The Hooters. Your Billy Oceans, Your Black Sabbaths, yes. Your Run DMCs, Lush. Interesting. Oh, your Springfields, Your REO Speedwagons, Your Crosby, Your Stills, <laughs> And your Nashes, Your Judas Priests, Your Brian Adams's, Beach Boys, I didn't know they have done it. Yeah, they played it. George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Uh Gosh, with, a gig over there, isn't it? Diddley and Albert Collins, simple minds, wow. pretenders, Santana, Ashford and Simpson, Ashford For and S- Simpson, solid <laughs> as a rock, ba, 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 ba. Yes. Uh, and then they had they got Teddy Pendergrass on, which sounds like a, sounds a little bit like a primary school, <laughs> cool in the gang, Madonna, Tom Petty in the Heartbreaker, oh. still going in America. I think they're playing shorter sets. Kenny Loggins, The Cars, Neil Young, your Power Stations, your Thompson Twins, your Clapton's, Phil Collins, who's, who's uh, flown over. Fresh off Concord. Paige Planton-Jones, who's basically in nice. a Zeppelin uh, reunion. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young again. Oh, no, it's Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So oh, New nice, Young Neil on. Young turned yeah. up. Yeah. Duran did the American leg. Yep. Patty LaBelle. I'd- Hall and Oates. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger and Tina Turner. Bob Dylan and Ron Wood and Keith Richards. So the Stones didn't play, but Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were both there. And then the US finale where they played We Are The World. I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Yeah, yes, i be in Philadelphia. I
2: mean, ideally in neither. But I mean, in fact, it would be in one of them.
0: If you're forced to go to a live well, if gig. If
2: you're like an eight-hour gig. it's too long. You, know, you just need a piss as well. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. yeah, if
1: you're down the front.
2: Well, I awful. bet it was absolute chaos, done. I bet it stank. I bet there wasn't a dry trouser in sight after <laughs> two hours.
0: Just pint glasses full of it. Yeah. The whole area would stink in the sun as well. Oh, oh no God, thanks.
2: You hot, you hot piss. Hot
0: piss? What do you remember of live age? Hot piss. Hot piss.
2: <laughs> if you were wearing... I'd like, in Ethiopia. <laughs> and if you... Get a fucking Michael Burke on the front here stinks.
1: These converse trainers <laughs> were new. Come on,
2: Michael, do a report on this. Smell oh, that. Smell. Stinks that, of piss. That's that, Michael. Ever <laughs> have another gig then to raise so many people traumatised by being covered in piss for eight hours in London. Andy Peoples begging people at the front not to piss on each other.
1: <laughs> You're spoiling it. Smith
2: and Jones trying to make light of it. <laughs> oh, God.
1: Well, someone asked Freddie Mercury to have a word with people at the crowd. No, he's insisting on doing his hey. Oh, hey. He's, <laughs> he's, he's not willing to bring up piss. Hey! Hey, you! <laughs> That's, really That's nice. what he's actually doing. <laughs> hey.
0: hey! Oh, oh, oh. now, no, no, no!
2: Come
1: on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. No, I do, no, no, stop coming, no. No, no, stop coming, whoa. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> well, all right. If i be Phil Collins, I'd have flushed the bog over Wembley. <laughs> Just to get my money's worth. Hey, oh. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I keep singing that stupid. Let someone launches a plastic cup of piss, piss at him. At him. I'll <laughs> sing it for him raps in the UK. See, this is a kind of magic bang although Freddy don't stop Freddy, me
3: now
2: you know no but he did he did you know he was famous for his, uh, his penchant for the um, but I'm just saying Freddie Mercury probably did get involved in water sports at some point in his life
0: <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say I'm trying to say it obliquely yeah. <laughs> I can't do that
2: and he's dead, so he can't sue us. So. Absolutely you can't. That's the one. I don't understand that. I don't, I've never really understood that. What, well, when you're dead, you can't sue? No, that and water sports. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I think both are as strange as each other.
2: Yeah. each their own, I suppose.
1: If I was going to engage in water sports, yes. so I would want the other person to have drunk at least eight glasses of water. I
2: thought you were going to say that you want to do the pissing, but for, you're happy to drink <laughs> it as long as it's diluted, <laughs> is it? <laughs> There's another option here, Al. <laughs> yeah, you've been, you've, been, you've been shortchanged here, Al. Oh yeah, Fair I'm enough. just taking a leak on someone, and you're you're <laughs> guzzling dilute piss.
0: Eight <laughs> hey, litres of the stuff coming out of
2: this guy. All right, Al, how's it going?
1: I'd what rather think, I'd rather have one my really soul.
0: strong cupful. you know, I'll, like sometimes my eyes are stinging a
1: bit. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're in a public toilet, <laughs> Go on, let's just go in. No. No. Well, speaking of George Michael, come there you on, go. and you and and the person who's had a piss before you, if you're using the cubicle, right? And the piss is the piss is dark yes. and yellow. You think on that person car. will have had one cup of tea in the last six months? Yeah,
2: he needs to drink more.
1: Yeah, this guy needs to drink more. That's what I want. That's what I want to avoid in a water sports scenario. I want it to be. At I want to avoid be the pissy. Hay coloured. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the pissy either. I'd want to be the pisser. Absolutely. I'd rather be. I'd rather be neither.
2: Yeah. I'd rather not get involved.
0: Yeah. I'd rather
1: it. be. Na- I'd rather be neither. No thanks. There, there's nothing sexy about piss. I. I can't. I can't <laughs> stress I'm not i emphasize you, that how enough. How'd you
2: broach that for the first time? Do you? Uh, that's what I always think of. Do you like? Um, right,
1: sure. To... Well, what's, what's your weirdest thing you're into? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? I don't know why I'm saying it. Sometimes I say the weirdest, funny stuff. I don't mind piss. I think piss gets a bad rap. What do you want to try? What should you do? Try standing
2: up. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: What do you want yeah. to try, Mike?
1: <laughs> ooh. <I> was,
2: ooh. <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, standing up good. Um, I've had an awful lot to drink today. So you dip to the loo, or should you just stay here? <laughs> I saw this, yeah, this
0: documentary. Some people found this, you know, really arousing.
1: Yeah, it's just weird, isn't it? <laughs>
2: it's just
0: a documentary I saw. I don't know, maybe, maybe... I guess if you don't try, you're never going to know.
2: <laughs> What's the funnel for, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's thrown it. Dear,
1: dear. Oh. Yeah, a lot of it about, Mike. Are you putting windscreen washer fluid in the car? <laughs> no, no. no, no. but I have had a big pint of Ribena. <laughs> That'd be the worst thing,
2: wouldn't oh. it? Oh. No, the worst thing would be, like, Barocca. Yes. Yeah, yeah, terrifying. <laughs> <things> terrifying, terrifying <laughs> fluorescent, yes. Fluorescent piss everywhere. <laughs> Be like this sort of um, quasar of, of water sports. Just this <laughs> fluorescent piss laser tag. <laughs> have you ever drunk Barocca, then forgotten you've drunk Barocca? Yeah, and piss yes. And then have worried about... Yep, yeah. internal the, bleeding. It's like eating a lot of beetroot. The beetroot, 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 beetroot is there, the yeah. scariest. Yeah. yeah. You've forgotten you've had beetroot when you think your arsehole's on the way out, didn't you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> on the way out. <laughs> I've never thought.
2: was oh, so on the way out. That's on the way out. They're gonna do one of those. I've blown an old ring in there somewhere. <laughs> need, the, <laughs> need a new one. Don't always take your time. If you, if you take nothing else away from this podcast today, take, take your time. Your time. Take time. Don't don't, don't blow an asshole. Don't blow. Don't blow a ring.
0: So, let's do the first round of clips for
2: this week. Mm. Uh, Mike. Right, I love this. This is a clip that came to my attention a week or two ago. You can watch TV a lot these days, and there's a sort of globalisation of broadcasting, right? Yes. There was a time before cable television and satellite TV and before the internet when places were much more idiosyncratic, right? So, British telly from the 70s. Oh, God. Couldn't be anything else. It's just British. It could only be British telly from the 70s. Yes. Right? So this is a clip of Ronnie Corbett uh, hosting, for what I can gather, uh, a go-karting event.
0: <laughs> Let's meet one or two of the drivers of this illustrious race. The first person I'd like to welcome is uh, John Inman from Are You Being Served? John. Nice to see you, John. We've got a very illustrious sort of field this afternoon. Is there, any, yes, yes.
4: is there anybody you particularly fancy? You mean I have a choice? (laughs) Uh,
0: Along the line here from 8 Half Hot Mum, Windsor Davis. (laughs) Wait a minute. Nice to see. And next to Windsor, of course, Mike Reed. What are your driving plans for this afternoon, Mike?
3: (laughs) Well, I'm going
4: to say. Right.
0: What was he
3: saying? Shut up! Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Ready? Eight laps. Go! They're all off now. Uh, Mike Green has taken the proposition there. Winsor Davis leading. Kathy McKinnon is trying to speed between. I think Richard Whitmore is trying to slipstream uh, Winsor Davis, but he hasn't quite made it. And they're just beginning now the straight pass back on
4: the other side. will come to their out now until they come down. Windsor Davis has taken it
2: clearly. And I love Ronnie Corbett. Perkins, I love the two Ronnie's. To say he was a star in the 70s would be completely under-egging it. Him and... Well, the two Ronnie's are probably the biggest stars on TV. And they're doing a and I don't, I'm trying to research where this is from and I don't know where it's from, but there's like a celebrity go-kart race featuring Mike Reed. Um, they don't interview him, but I can see him on the second row of the grid is Ian Lavender from, an, from um, Dad's Army. who plays Pike. Windsor Davis from my favourite film Grand Slam, but also from, at the time, uh, An Ain't Half Hot Man. And an interview with John Inman, a.k.a. Mr Humphreys, off Are you being served, right? So this is so good. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like British wacky races, but for real, right? So he interviews John Inman, first of all, whose job was, in the 70s, yes. to be the camp bloke on TV, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because in a window
1: and oh,
2: we And we, for a country that, until the 60s, homosexuality was illegal, right? Yes. We've always loved... That camp performer, right? Yeah. There's a great episode of The Simpsons, where it's probably my favorite episode of The Simpsons, where Marge has got a, a gay a friend who owns like a sort of quirky antique shop. And Homer thinks he's brilliant, just loves him, you know? Yeah. And he says to Marge, we should get him over him and his wife around for dinner one day, you know, he's a great guy. <laughs> she like, oh, I don't think he's married. He says, oh yeah, I get it, swinging bachelor, you know, bring him and his girlfriend over. I don't think he's got a girlfriend. Oh, yeah, and then she goes, Homer, he's a homos- he's homosexual. And he's blown away, Homer. Yeah. And then Marge has a right pop at Homer for being anti-gay. And he says, it's not the fact he's homosexual, Marge, it's the fact he's so damn sneaky about it. <laughs> he, said, he, says, he says, I'm old-fashioned. He said, like my beer cold, my TV loud, and my homosexuals flaming, right? <laughs> so it was like, it was okay to be gay in the 70s in Britain if you were like John Inman gay. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what I mean, if yeah. you're just a gay bloke trying to get on with your life or a gay woman trying to get on with your life, then, then dickheads would, I'm sure your life wasn't easy by a long stretch of imagination. But if you were John Inman, not a problem. I'm free. I mean, I love that. So he interviews John Inman on the grid, and he's wearing, of course, a gold sequined helmet, right? And then he makes some, there's some innuendo gag that he makes. This is being signed off now. This is, this is national television, I'm assuming. Ronnie Corbett doing a lap of a go-kart track, which, by the way, apart from rudimentary helmets, there's no real safety kit going on. They're doing it in the clothes they'd perform in. I don't know what it's for. I don't know if it was part of I've, I've Googled, like, Ronnie Corbett, go-karting, Ronnie Corbett, kart race, Ronnie nothing comes up. So if, if anyone listening to this knows
1: where it's from or can find out where it's from, great. The thing I liked about it is that if you did this now... what's insurance. Obviously, A, the insurance, but B, they'd all, they'd all be wearing safety suits and the kind of stuff that you'd see Lewis Hamilton wearing but everyone doing it would be young and attractive. Yeah. So they'd all be from Love Island and stuff. Mike Reed from Runaround. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that any of the stars who were doing it are glamorous, apart from the fact that they're all immensely famous.
2: They're A-list TV stars at the time. You think? It, oh, yeah, yeah, it, oh, it, absolutely. Dad's Army, Are You Being Served? They were the big, they were the big yeah. TV comedies, a so huge
1: audience. Well, they all get massive cheers when they're introduced, you know. The yeah. crowd aren't taking the piss. They love those actors and well, they love those programmes. Yeah. That was what we had on the, telly.
2: I take the piss of a lot of modern telly for being just inane bollocks, right? But I think it's more to do with the who, who's in it. Like you said then, if that, was, if that was the cast of Love Island, I would hate it. Because I think, well, what have you ever done? Apart from being in Love Island, right? But if you're Windsor Davis, suddenly this becomes great entertainment. This is great TV for me. If you're there for a reason, if you've be, you've become famous for a reason that isn't that you're famous. Do you mean yes?
1: Because then I think acting by is by no means meritocratic. There are lots of brilliant actors who are undiscovered or have got other jobs. That's a fact of life. I think the fact if you were in a big sitcom in the seventies in the UK, though, you had acted for years. And you'd probably done rep, yeah, sure. done loads and loads of theatre, and you'd you'd worked loads. And so they were everyone who was at that level, even if you didn't like the programs, and you know, and you didn't like the right thing. That's fair enough. That's your choice. But I don't think you could deny the craft that went into those programs. Whereas I think that if you can, you know, you can now be famous for being famous, and then yeah, it would be someone from a reality TV show in a go kart if they brought this back. And you know what? I can imagine someone, a commissioner, seeing this and trying to bring it back, and it would just be shit. Because nowadays, I suppose if you were going to have someone who was talented, it would be Martin Freeman or Benedict Cumberbatch, but they they would—they could be asked. They almost
2: did it with, with that fight thing with Gervais. They only they made one, didn't they? That was going to be a series when Gervais fought Grand Bovey in that boxing match. Yes, Bob Mortimer Offi- fought in one, didn't he? And The I Office was the good. biggest comedy at the time on telly. But then something happened about 15, 20 years ago. Maybe it started with things like Big Brother. It just seemed to be that people wanted to be famous they didn't know what they want to be famous for
4: they just knew they yes. wanted to be famous yeah they didn't that's. want to be a
2: famous actor or writer or musician they wanted to be famous and i and, and i know it's it's snobbery on my part but i like when i see people on tv or on youtube
1: i just think yeah but what do you do mate? What mm. do oh not what you do
2: what what are you good at and what they're good at of course is self-promotion and, and
1: but i don't like a, are you being served but i'm not gonna dispute that john john inman was a good actor
2: it is hard to watch man have you watched it
1: i was going to say
0: i don't think that would have dated well. i haven't oh, watched it i don't think
2: that would have dated
1: well oh God. no
0: I it, i'm f- guessing film.
2: i watched a film the other day talking about jump the shark and they win a trip i believe to spain okay where they basically just take the whole cast to spain so, imagine a department store winning a trip and you, you go away with all the people that you work with, but none of your other halves, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> imagine saying that to him, sis. You work at Tesco. Who's going? All, all, the, all stuff. the lads from Tesco's. Any other husbands and wives going? No. Nope.
1: Just terrible. Oh, I, really... I would imagine Are You Being Served is terrible. Oh, watch it. It is
2: it I mean, watch yeah. it. It is an eye opener. This is what about you can watch Faulty Towers in there, but it's still funny. But you watch Are You Being Served. And as much as like, this is why I don't really want to watch. Uh, things like An Ain't Half Hot Man, because oh, I love Wins Davis and Grand Slam. Yeah. And I used to remember as a kid liking An Ain't Half Hot Man. Yeah. You can't get it now. They don't. They haven't released it. No. And then when you like Google why, yes. I, think, I bet that's pretty bad. Yes. I don't miss it. And there's always some bloke who you know this is a died in the world racist <laughs> talking about woke. You'll you mention the word woke at least four times. Can't previously. show
0: anything I I'll think, tell you now. I
1: think what's uh, weird, though, is... It doesn't feel like that long ago, but sensibilities have changed to such an extent. It's actually quite a confronting thing to watch programmes from the 70s and 80s. Yes. And mm. some of the um, attitudes that are displayed in these programmes.
2: Yeah. Well, I was watching that audience thinking, the crowd I should say, I could have been in there. There's kids in there. I'd, I'd have been, I'm the right age to have been in there. Like I remember watching, like I said, I remember watching all those programmes the first time round. I didn't watch them on repeat. I mean, it, it's stretching sports slightly. I don't, I don't know. There's there's a competitive race in there. I don't know if it's part of like a superstar. because what they did in America, they did a thing. It was like it was like it was like the Battle of the the Network Stars or something like that. People don't know if they listen to this, right? Yeah. If they're proper, and it was people like you know like Telly Savalas on there against, and, and there would be these these um, sporting matchups. So I don't know whether this was part of that. Whether we try to do a similar thing in this country,
0: it just feels like this was part of an away day. That was organised anyway, and they just thought, let's film
2: it and make some money out of it. It sound, it, fa- it feels like they were going to have a laugh and go go karting anyway. Imagine having to be in character all the time, right? What Gervais did really well with The Office, sorry, with extras more than more than The Office, is when he sort of get away from. you didn't want to do like catchphrase comedy. So you watch this, and they're having an away day, but you're not John Inman, you're Mr Humphreys, and you're expected yeah. to take some with an innuendo. Yes, you're you're not Winter Davis. You know, you're going to tell someone to shut up. It must be weird being in character all the time. Also, a lot of actors can't improvise. Well, Ian Lavender's wearing a, the frigging West Ham Hamster. <laughs> he's, he's dressed up as full on, full-on pike on the second row of the grid. Uh. Yeah, they can't improv, yeah. That's why I like working with comics when, we, when I film stuff. Not to knock actors. Some actors are brilliant. But, I mean, which are, my, my thoughts on acting are fairly well known. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I think all the best acting is reacting. And it's hard to do that if you are a slave to a script, isn't it? And, and most actors are a slave to a script, yeah, you know, because you have to be when, when when that's
1: paying the bills. And also, and also, it's a, it's a, um, a mark of respect to the writer. I think most things, unless unless it is explained to you that improvisation is fine on set, most things you have to sk- stick to the script yeah. because the writer has written it for that Boy, reason. yeah, that's why he wrote it. This thing, though, this this program would have been very successful to have huge big stars of like that doing something that is not in their wheelhouse, i.e. go-karting around a track competitively, people would have loved this.
2: But there'd have only been yeah. two other things on.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, there is
0: that as yeah. Well. So, I'd, you know, this would probably have been on in my house.
2: Go back to what you said then, just a second ago, Al, when I wrote that Mammoth script, right? So when I did the thing before, the Elvis thing that you and I did, right? You were brilliant in it, because it was you're a comic and I'm a comic, and it was all good. So when I did Mammoth, we were lucky. So Joseph Marcel, who plays Jeffrey and the Fresh Prince, is is my best mate in it, right? Mm-hmm. Brilliant actor, but he, what he hasn't done an acting is not worth doing, right? Tremendous sort of raconteur as well, a lovely bloke, yeah. And there's a bit where I sort of say, "Well, listen, don't worry too much about the script, Joseph. You know, you can ju-. But and he he didn't want to offend me. Yeah, he said, "Yeah, no, yeah, so, yeah. He's, he's like, no, "No, no, this is your art. I, I wouldn't disrespect your script." And I was like, "Oh God, it's not. It's, honestly, it's not disrespectful to me." Yeah, <laughs> you know, but that's the way they think. They, they I've I've created
1: something, so he has to yeah be faithful to it well Izzy's first I mean Izzy's acted since she was she was going to youth theatre when she was six or seven but her first big telly job was Peep Show Mm. written by Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong who were two of the best writers Britain's ever produced I think you know, when you think about the other stuff they've done as well together and you know separately. So when is he was? Do- I mean, she she'd always do this anyway, unless it was explained to her that improvisation was fine. But I mean, the way she would learn her lines for Peep Show, every single syllable as the writer intended, because she's you know she she went to college and she studied drama, and that that is, you know, that's the done thing if you're an actor. Some writers will be on set and they'll, they'll step. Yeah, in, yeah, and say, you I. Know. I th- I think what happens is comedians are so used to following their gut and their instincts yeah that some comedians when they begin acting find it very difficult to to do something that is so prescriptive whereas an actor will think well that's the job and it is just it's just two different ways of doing it and both ways have their advantages and disadvantages I think Yeah, really that's my first sport clip of the day
0: <laughs> good good i'm going to elbow in well it's actually not sport is it it's after sport for my clip so this is from a sporting event at least um it's from the copper america this year which I is too brutal <laughs> i picked up brother opening one week mate it's fine um so yeah this is from the copper america which i think will have escaped quite a few people's attention this year because it went on during the euros Um, and this is two footballers I don't particularly like either of them if I'm being honest but this is after Argentina beat Brazil in the final and it's Neymar going up to Messi and giving him a big old hug I like respect in any sport, Mm. and I don't like Neymar, like I say. I don't particularly like him as a footballer, let alone as a person. I like Messi as a footballer, don't really know enough about him as a person, but I'm not emotionally invested in his career in any way. But I can get emotionally invested in a guy who has tried to win stuff with his country and failed repeatedly, you know, winning the Olympics and then not winning countless World Cups and Copper Americas, I can understand that. Watching Neymar also being able to relate to that, having missed out you know, on the home World Cup, etc., etc., and having had a lot of failures in his career, I think shows a different side to Neymar than the public
1: one that's out there at the moment. Well, this is the most I've liked Neymar ever. Hmm. Um, certainly when he was at Barcelona, I had respect for the... For him as a footballer, which has dissipated a bit, if I'm honest, over the last few years, and I think he probably was at one stage the third best footballer on the planet. He was never the best footballer on the planet, but he was definitely the third best, I think, at one time. Yes. And then he went to PSG and obviously tried to win a Champions League at PSG, but the, but the French league isn't a competitive enough league. I thought it was a slight shame that he went to PSG, but I th- I think with um I think with Messi in terms of what he's done at club level, it is absolutely mind-blowing what he's achieved at Barcelona. I mean, it's, it beggars belief what he's done at Barcelona. And he's still brilliant. Mm. So they hammered Tottenham, didn't they, in the Champions League last season. And Barney Roney wrote a great piece in The Guardian about Messi. Just saying, you know, He bends others to his own will. He he can completely dictate a game of football because he's so good.
2: Yeah. So you're more Messi than Ronaldo, are you? You're in the Messi
1: camp. Uh, yeah. And oh. and the thing with Messi, um, the, the the comparison people often make is you know who's better, Messi or Maradona, and absolutely, talent was more spread out, um, in Serie A when, uh, Maradona was there, and most teams had a world class player, even the even the bad teams, and when Maradona went to Napoli. They they were the place above relegation the season before, so they they were a shit team. We went from Barcelona to a team that had practically almost got relegated from Serie A, yeah. And then they win two titles. They win the UEFA Cup, which was just as hard to win as the European Cup in those days. And you know, by the end of his time, players like correct were there. But I mean, he was he was carrying that team. And when you look at Messi's Barcelona, particularly the one under Guardiola from about 10 years ago, when they were the, probably the best club team ever assembled. Absolutely. That was effectively a World 11. But he still shone. In a World 11, he was still clearly the best player. Yeah. And his numbers, man, <laughs> I mean, his, his stats are just out of this world, but he's never won a World Cup. And I don't think. A South American team is going to win a World Cup for a very long time. Yeah, I don't think a, you know. South American team has been in the finals since two thousand and two. So yeah, admittedly, I, I don't think actually that eighty six Argentina team, aside from Maradona, are as bad as people remember. I think no, I think no, I think it's, it's a good squad. I think it's fashionable to, or it's not fashionable. It's become the consensus that you say Maradona won that World Cup single handed, and that's what people say. What
0: Peter Shilton says.
1: Yeah, but if you, but if you watch that team back, yeah, you know Maradona was a fantastic, exceptional player. Yeah. in a in a better team than I think they're given credit for.
2: What I find strange about football, I found it in the, in the watching the Euros as well, right? Is if you look at a if you w- look at a Jonah Lomu in rugby, right? Yeah, there's a man who single-handedly hmm. could win games. Yeah. Right? You look at uh, Tom Brady in the NFL. There's a man who single-handedly can win games. When you look at football. I don't know if it's the way the games change or whatever else, right? Ronaldo faked it as the joint first best player in the world, the best player in Europe, right? Yeah, but he can't win games for Portugal. Well, I, don't, I mean, but, they, yeah, they didn't, though, did they? But they did they the did previous they, one.
0: So the previous Euros.
2: Yeah. So who? So I'm saying, if you, if you're world class in football, yeah,
0: you can't consistently do it. I agree.
2: You can't. You can't win games for a team. It doesn't. It's
1: not the way the football works. Not certainly not now. The amazing thing. With Ronaldo. I mean, this This statistic bears repeating, it needs repeating. So, the record caps holder for the Welsh national team is Chris Gunter. What's he on, Steph? 101? Something
0: like that, I don't know. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, I yeah. think
1: he's on 101 ish. Bale is on about 90. Hennessy's on 96, I think. Ronaldo has scored 109 goals for Portugal. He scored more goals in his career than Chris Gunter, almost capped player in well, How many ever World Cups have they won? How many Euros ca- have they
2: won?
0: They've won the one Euros and the one Nations League. But, yeah, I think that's what's fascinating is that Neymar well, not, hasn't managed to. That's not to, a slight on him. No, no, no I just I think that, ne- that Neymar hasn't managed to make Brazil win a major tournament, no. if you don't count the Confederations Cup or the Olympics. This is the first thing that Messi has helped Argentina to win. The Euros would be the only thing that. Uh, Ronaldo has out Portugal to win, and that is fascinating. Then you can have the. Best well, I would say game.
1: though, if if Lomo in '95 when he was steamroller in Mike Cat mm. for New Zealand, the South African World Cup, you, we say single-handed. That was a good New Zealand. That was a really good New Zealand team. Well, they didn't team. win it though, did they? If, so yeah, but if yeah, and if you'd played Cardiff and Vale schools under 14s and Jonah Lomo, yeah. they would have lost to that England team. But what Ronaldo has done, I mean, my God. Uh, for Portugal,
0: hmm.
1: Portugal, by the way, a country of about ten million people. It's not even a big. It's not even a big country, Portugal. It's
0: not, but you know, you had Figo before Football him, mad though. and you save you before that. So,
1: oh yeah, they've produced some fantastic footballers. Yeah, absolutely,
0: and guys who carried that team as well. So Figo Mainly carried Portuguese that team. Portuguese
2: tennis players, or athletes, or rugby players. Well, I remember
1: it? Wales when Wales were at our lowest ebb in rugby union and we had to qualify for the 95 World Cup which was a real embarrassment for a country like Wales to have to qualify for the World Cup. And Wales played Portugal. We beat them at like 104-0 or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 Beat them in Spain.
2: We played Portugal. We played Lisbon. when Cardiff Youth, that was our tour. So we went over there but it was it was funny cuz it was before the end of the season. The way that it was work, as we we stayed in cup stuff to the end. We went on a tour before the end of the season. But this was it was it was a microcosm of Welsh Club Rugby, because we had our coaches, Jack and Gareth, who were great, they were with us every week. We had a fella called uh, Billy, was the physio there every week, Colin was there every week, and we had Jim and Neil O'Donnell there every week, and they, so they were they, they were the, the people that came with us to all the games, saw their everything out, did the fixtures, did everything else, right? We got to Portugal, <laughs> suddenly there's like 20 other blokes in blazers turned up that we've never seen before, right? Yeah. That are all there for a free jolly to Portugal with, with, with the rugby club. I like, all right, Mike, how are you? I was like, who are, who are you? Who are you? I've yeah. never seen you before.
1: Ever. But we had a great trip over there, but we played Lisbon down there. Because Ronaldo is now 36, is he? Yeah, yeah he's
2: 36. He's in great
1: nick, though. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know enough about tactics to prey to, to, to this article, but the Athletic, I think it might have been Michael Cox, wrote a really interesting article during the Euros. Saying that you know he's got a hundred seventy nine caps for Portugal, hundred nine goals. He did score goals in his Euros. I can't remember how many. But if you study Portugal, oh, he
0: was, he's got a boot winner.
1: Yeah, but when you when you study Portugal without him in the team and with him in the team, hmm. they are a more effective oh, unit without Ronaldo. A hundred percent. But you but you you cannot not play him because for as long as he wants to play, he is. Even a country that's produced Figo and Eusebio, mm-hmm. he is the greatest Portuguese footballer of all time. You can't you just can't leave him out. But you know, he went to Juve for hundred million pounds. Yeah. And he was in his early thirties. Yeah. With them um, players winning games on their own, one of the things that English football fans often say, Platini said this about Hartle was if he was French, they'd have built we'd have built the team around. And yet he got fifty three caps for England and was never really utilized properly. Yeah. Teams now don't really they don't build teams around a single player anymore as a kind of as a method that's not really But internationally that
0: does have to happen now doesn't it? Like we do.
1: Yes but I think for a country 3.1 million people there's the uh, it's a slightly different set of circumstances because if you have a couple of superstars like we do they're not absolutely everything is geared towards getting the best out of Gareth and Aaron of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? But a, a country say like you know, for for the for the bigger footballing powers, they don't take one player and go right. Everything is geared towards him.
2: Just to go off the clip for a second. Yeah. What I liked about, and well, I'm not a big Neymar fan either, right? But there's there's like the perfunctory handshake and the slap on the back which happens after games, which is part of the game, which I like. But, but you can tell when it's genuine. And that went on too long for it to be done for anything other than genuine reason. I, I'm not sure what, what they said well. to each other, but yeah.
0: But Neymar knows, doesn't he? Because he hasn't won the anything with Genuine Brazil. affection there. So he yeah. knows that Messi winning something with Argentina means so much to him. Because mm. it does, doesn't it? Winning something you can win, you know, a couple of with your club side, you can win the Champions League with your club side, but it does mean more with your country. Certainly to your reputation back home, it does.
1: What I like about Messi is that we've been living in this duopoly, this Cristiano ronaldo Lionel Messi duopoly for 15 years, pretty much. And it clearly means more to Ronaldo than Messi. (laughs) And I find that so funny (laughs) and it's so charming that they're on, you know, five or six Ballon d'Ors each. In any other era, they'd have had ten. But because it's the two of them... Duking it out, and now you know. In the next five years, it will be Mbappé and Harland.
2: What did Mbappé do in the Euros?
1: I do He didn't. No, well, I mean, yeah, he had a he had a poor tournament. Hmm. I mean the dif- you know. I mean the difference is he's was he twenty two or something? Yeah. And he he was a World Cup winner at the age of nineteen. <laughs> and he will be. What if he's peaked? He's twenty two. Well, I've I've a feeling he'll be defining tournaments in ten years' time. And Haaland if they qualify, obviously because he's Norwegian, he didn't qualify for these. Uh, Euros. But it, that, that's the wheel has turned, and now it's a Haaland and Mbappe world. At the Ballon d'Or uh, ceremony, you just see Ronaldo is desperate to win, and Messi's in a suit looking quite uncomfortable as well. He doesn't look great in a suit, Messi. He does
0: tend to wear ridiculous ones, though, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, just I think he thinks it's a bit of a joke, whereas Ronaldo is desperate Wants to win. To win. Yeah, and I just find it so charming. <laughs>
0: Go on, Anel, what's your clip for this round?
1: Uh, how do you quantify charisma? I've got no idea, but I do know when I see it. This is one of the most charismatic interviews I've seen in 30-plus years of watching sport. This, this is um, Ruby Tui after New Zealand have beaten Russia in the sevens, the uh, rugby union sevens at this year's Olympics.
4: But one thing's for sure, you came out strong today because you were wanting to improve after yesterday. 100%. As I said, Yeah, the uh, Russia, they are very cool people, man. We get on with them, very lovely people. But on the field, as I said before, they are bloody tough. They're a tough, tough team. And to be honest, they were at the last Olympics, so this is huge for them. Massive congratulations to Russia, thank you so much. Um, but I, I don't want to say the score made it look easy, but it was not easy. Don't be fooled. That was not an easy game. Lots of running, my GPS just blew up. That's how hard it was. So, um, nah, lots of respect for Russia. Now, we've heard what you think about Russia. A word on GB, because you don't get to play against the GB side very often. Obviously, obviously, you play against England and Scotland. But what have you made of them here at the, this uh, tournament? you know i love how gb come together eh? like you know they all split up but then for the olympic your freeze it's funny because in the scrum they probably hate me saying this sorry abby but when they go down they go england like they're real you know proud to be england but they can't do it, yeah so he's gonna go gb when she goes down so like you know everybody comes together scotland uh, got a couple of really good players in there well so obviously joyce's bloody guess that's a couple of us even so I love the whole concept of GB, and like I said, huge congratulations to Great Britain, Great Britain, and um, all the people of that place because they fundraised, they worked hard, they campaigned. I think even a couple of us donated, and they um, ended up at the Olympics. So huge, huge, Mahi, uh, big job, so Mahi is main job. <laughs> so actually, we. I'm being told you have to go because I think the rain's coming. We'll see you tomorrow. What? What rain? Bring on the thunder! On the our Just be happy. Let's compete safely and peacefully. Peace and love. Love you guys. We love you too. Libby. Good to see you. There you go, Ruby. Fantastic. She is
1: fucking cool. <laughs> I, I I don't know very much about sevens. Of all the clips we've chosen on this podcast. This is probably one of the ones that I think if you haven't, if you don't watch the clips, you will have seen this anyway because it went ultra viral. On, yeah, didn't it, Josh? Mm-hmm. On uh, Twitter. Yeah. It's it's really got a little bit of everything. She's you know she's just I think it was the quarterfinals where they beat. Yeah, Russia. it was. Yeah. So it's the quarterfinals. So she's through to the semis of the Olympics. She's representing her country. She is so you know she's so gushing about her opponents. So there's none of that. Bravado, of, yeah, yeah, you know, we had a game plan, we followed it, we knew we could win. She's so nice about the Russian team, who I didn't really realize had much of a tradition of playing rugby union or, mm. se- or sevens. So mm-hmm. she's really nice about them. She then talks about uh, Team GB, she makes a couple of jokes about wearing masks. She says, Don't be fooled, and she points to the camera like Elvis used to in about 1956. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a sort of little hitting, <laughs> it's a little hip. Hip swivel. <laughs> that is, I just watched it. I've watched it about ten times. She talks about how she likes playing Team GB um, because obviously she's used to playing England Wales Scotland separately in Rumi. Yeah, and she makes jokes. She talks in Samoan, her mother tongue at the start, because she was born in New Zealand. Her mother has is have, is of is New Zealand, but has sort of Scottish and Welsh and Irish heritage, I think. Um, but her father's Samoan, so she speaks Samoan. And I don't know. It was just. This Olympics, you've got to feel sorry for the athletes and the sports people involved, because obviously the fact that they're playing in, in empty stadiums or performing in mm. empty stadiums means that they've, they've, they've lost that adrenaline rush of yeah. you know, scoring in front of 80,000 people or you know, whatever. But it still means the same, doesn't it, to the, to, the, to the sports people involved. And she's just delighted. And you can just see how ecstatic she is. You
2: said before, a couple of pods ago, Talking about the, the thing about sport, it keeps throwing up these people and these events and these and these these memories. And he said it'll happen in, in this Olympics, before the Olympics started, right? And this has become one of those things that they, they will be showing in 20 years' time.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Like I changed my second clip for this week after something that happened in the Olympics the other day, which I think is going to become an iconic part of sport as well. Mm. I, as, as a Welsh person, you're a Welsh speaker, and I'm a Welsh learner. She knows it's BBC, she checks it straight away. Straight into Samoan. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Unapologetically, bang, there it is. This is this is my language. This is to my people. And then, yeah, like you said a great interview. Really enthusiastic. Great about the Russians. I'm I'm a sucker when people reference Wales. <laughs> yeah, me too. Fact, me too. And the fact that she 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 name checked
0: the jazz. Welsh yeah, girls yeah. in
2: the side, you know. And then she's on about the and a bit of fun about what the the uh, the English girl who played in, in the pack. Yeah, and just engaging and, and the eye contact. Yeah, I didn't even think about that point to camera. I you dead, right? And then a bit at the end where she says, it goes into Samoan again, then it translates it and says what it means. So I, I've walked away from there knowing a little bit of Samoan as well, right? She is, I mean, some people are just natural. You know, they are absolute naturals in front of a camera. Oh my God, she just bursts out of it. And also... It? I mean, it's the best interview I've ever seen in this Olympics, hands down. Oh, and yeah. also,
1: the, uh, the interviewer says, oh, you know, it's going to rain. She's like, is it? I don't care. It's the Olympics. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Just go on, compete, represent, you know, compete safely. I love you all. Yeah. It's the Olympics. And you think she's having the time of her life. Yeah, isn't she? Too? And it's so compelling. Well, look how much the interviewer enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. and she also... Just she
2: turns the camera and she's like... Because oh. she knows she's part of something special bit, And she
1: and she talks about how um, Team GB the Sevens lost their funding as well, and she talks about how mm. the New Zealand players donated so that, they didn't could, know that. so that they could compete. What a story that is. So the New Zealand team donated to the British team? Well, a load of them
0: had to do the sort of GoFundMe stuff to be able, to, so some of them got jobs. So Wales, thing. Scotland, England all dropped their Sevens programmes. I think I spoke about it a few weeks ago. But they dropped the Sevens programmes because it wasn't financially viable during the covid thing. So yeah, a lot of them got jobs, a lot of them set up gofundme stuff and yeah, a lot of the new Ze- a lot of the fellow players who were earning money then put some money towards their gofundme's.
2: How good is that? It's amazing, isn't it? That sport. Right it good. is, isn't it? Yeah. Cuz you also if you love playing sport, you need an opposition. You need yes, people yeah. to play against and you need, you know, what is the point playing for New Zealand if you've got no one else to play against?
0: Well, yeah, if you win the olympic sevens by beating teams that aren't at the level that England this is why i GB never really were.
2: understood i understand gamesmanship when it comes to pure cheating i don't get it i don't i do, not, i know it goes on but why there's a whole philosophical argument there that if you're if you're blatantly cheating what's the point because how you, you we're not playing the same sport by definition we're not we're not competing
1: against each other i think if you have a medal in your house 30 years on that says you won the you know, whatever FA Cup final yeah, yeah. but you knew it was a handball I think you just think well I've got that medal would you? I think a lot of players would I think our fans do as well
2: there's almost fouls that are part of a game and they're part of, sort of like I said gamesmanship but when it's, when it's an out and out cheat I don't see what, how you derive in pleasure from the content. yeah the, I like that, um,
0: uh, the fencer in the seventies or eighties, who got caught cheating? Do you remember the guy who had it all rigged up so that he pressed a button on the bottom of his foil, yeah, yeah I and it set, that set off the I loved that. Oh, b- oh, b- b- yeah. when he was fencing? So you get the points. He got caught, so he didn't win. But what would the point have been in him winning?
2: I know, I don't get it. And this is an extrapolation of that. Is it? It's, you know, it's, it's them saying we know what it's like to play for our country. We're in a position where we can do it, and we can help out, so we will. I just think that's so. They sort of brushed over that. And I didn't know that story. No. I, I had no idea that the New Zealand girls chucked money into the GoFundMe for the for the, the GB girl. That's fa- that's fabulous, isn't it? It is. I, I think and that's that sporting bond. That's that when she's on about the the um, with the English girls in the scrum. Yeah, yeah, you know, she, yeah. And now she's 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 laughing at that She's got to remember it's GB now. It's not England. There's the Welsh girls there, the, Irish, the Scots, and the Northern Irish whatever. But I
0: like that it's cultural it's... sensitivity as well of understanding yeah, yeah, yeah. where all these players have come from to form Great well, here's Britain. A question, and she's just off the pitch from a you know a quarter-final that
1: yeah. you know could have resulted in her not getting a medal. I, I've just checked, her mum is of Irish and Scottish heritage, not Welsh, so we can't claim her. Oh, oh, so the Irish on. and the Scots can claim her a bit, as can the small ones, obviously, in New Zealand. But yeah, no
2: Welsh. Here's a question, right? When they rebranded into that Team GB thing sort of 20-odd years ago, right? Yes. And we always feel fairly short-changed that we get airbrushed a little bit. out. Imagine being from Northern Ireland. Yeah, and
0: being wanting to be British, yeah.
2: Because it's Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So Great Britain is just the mainland. So it's Scotland, England... It's the United
0: Kingdom, it should be called.
2: That island yeah, team is UK. Great Britain. Yeah,
0: it should be the United Kingdom.
2: So if you're from Belfast, or you're from anywhere in Northern Ireland, and you're competing, you're completely airbrushed out. There are a
0: lot of nuances to that, though, aren't there? Because there are a lot of sports where you have to compete for Ireland... There are a lot of sports where you can choose who you can For it's a very difficult one with Northern Irish or people from Northern Ireland. So Rory McIlroy's from Northern Ireland, has competing for Ireland in the golf because he's always competing for Ireland, going through the so
2: age. So there rate. must be a. There must be a. It can't be beyond. It should just be called Team UK. Organizers. Well, no, but if I can understand that if you are a Catholic... Well, I wouldn't particularly... I never consider myself really UK because I don't think of it as a kingdom. I don't like living in a kingdom, mm. right? I think that's bullshit. I think and I think if you were a Catholic living in Northern Ireland, that might yeah. be even, even more problematic, right? There must be another... Can we, after <laughs> fucking 1,500 years of a country, if we're going to be a union of countries, can we just think of a name for us? Yes. That's that got nothing to do with the monarchy.
1: It's like... Uh James McLean, isn't it? Who was brought, born and brought up in Derry and played for Northern Ireland under-21s. Yeah. But he always wanted to play for the Republic of Ireland because yeah. he's a Catholic from Derry and he does play for the Republic of Ireland. He scored against us when we failed to qualify for um 2018 World Cup. Yeah. But there's even more nuance to it with the Olympics in that because of the way
0: that rugby is organised in Ireland, if you were a rugby player, you couldn't play for Team GB. You would have to play for Ireland in the sevens. At the Olympics. If you're a boxer, same. Because of the oh, way it's so set right. up. So regardless of what your politics, religion, yeah. whatever might be the reason why you would be on either side of that.
1: So if, if you're a Protestant, Protestant boxer, boxer Unionist
0: from Unionist, you would from compete Belfast. for Ireland because of the way oh, that, that sport is organised within the country. You're not part of the G B setup, you'd be part of the yeah, Ireland yeah, setup. Weird is that? Yeah, but also... I didn't even know that. Then if you are a Catholic Republican boxer, you can compete for Northern Ireland at the Commonwealth Games. That's the flip side of that. So someone like uh, Conlon won a gold for Northern Ireland, considers himself very, very Irish and not British in any way, shape or form, but competed at the Commonwealths and won a gold. Why then? Why to, did To win a gold
1: medal. Oh, of, of, purely, obviously because the purely Republic simply, aren't in the Commonwealth yeah, Games, exactly, are they? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So 1920,
2: yeah. When, when you were the <laughs> British team, it,
4: in the old days, when you were in
2: the British team, you in Team GB, you could be British and be from Northern Ireland. From You can't be from Great Britain yeah. and be in Northern Ireland. True. So Team GB is actually is actually a worse name than the British I think team. so.
1: Sounds quite snappy, though.
2: It, it, that's, it's all about branding these days, mate. Yeah, true. You know? Good old lion's head. Yeah. The famous Irish lion on there and the Welsh lion.
0: At Scottish. UK of GBNNI. Like. <laughs> it's got, what it's what got a Twitter it? handle.
2: Let's have a... throw it We'll to have listeners. a competition. Give us a name for the four countries. What can we call ourselves? Did
0: you know if you're from the Faroe Islands, much like being from Wales or Scotland or England, you, you don't compete for your country. You have to compete for Denmark in the Olympics. They yes. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's part of the kingdom of Denmark.
1: Apart from in football, obviously. Yeah, football exists, but you. the same with us, isn't it? With football. For um, listeners who aren't from the UK or the British Isles. Yes. The UK is a sovereign state that includes England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Yes. Great Britain. Yes. Which is different. Yes. Is England, Scotland, yes. and Wales. Yes.
2: But the British Isles the, yeah. is England, Scotland, Wales... Northern the, Ireland and the Republic. And, and the island of Ireland, yeah. which includes yes, Northern Ireland and the Republic very,
1: of very few Irish people, i.e. people from the Republic, we really refer it. to the British Isles. No. Some people in Northern Ireland, the Protestants usually, regard themselves as British because they think that Northern Ireland is part... Well, it is, obviously, but it's part of the UK. Yeah. No, it's part... Of the, <laughs> What, what
0: date are we doing the Belfast Gate guys? Are, are we with <laughs> you? We we might have a big
2: crowd there. It <laughs> might not all be favourable. <laughs> we can certainly attract attention. No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a way that we can represent Northern Ireland people in the Olympic team.
1: Well those who Without... want to be represented is the yeah. key point. For instance, you have the are United you... Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Yes. Which is which yeah. is the four countries.
2: Absolutely. And Great Britain was just Distinguish between Brittany. Right. Yes. Was Was it really? Is that why it's great? Yeah, it wasn't great as in brilliant. It was great as in the... the As in bigger,
1: in the same way like Greater London. I once watched a very, very, very irritating YouTube clip (laughs) of um, an American stand-up on stage in New York, I think. He gets heckled by, I think, an, an English punter... In the crowd, refers to him as arrogant, and he says, "You think I'm arrogant? I'm arrogant. You're from Great Britain, man. Oh my God, my country's so great. Yeah, you're the only fucking goddamn country on earth. You've got great." It's not. It's not. It, that's, it's not because it's good. Yeah. It, it's like Greater London means it's like the Great bigger Yarmouth. Great <laughs> <Right>, Yarmouth. <laughs> yeah. Imagine you think you're Europe. so big, Imagine Yarmouth? The, Imagine if you were at, like, Caroline's in New York, the comedy club, or wherever it was. Yeah, it's more like Great Yarmouth, actually. I think, find yes. It distinguishes Britain and Brittany, <laughs> which is a Celtic part of northern France where they speak a Celtic language, has got very similar roots to Cornish and Welsh. <laughs> now, fuck off. Oh, off. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Off. Oh. Oh.
2: Yeah, Western Super Mare means on the mayor, on the sea. <laughs> it's not
1: super. We're not saying we're super. It's the Western Brilliant Mare. <laughs> Western Shitty Mare
2: next door. <laughs> I love Western Super Mare. Do. You? That's twice I mentioned.
1: That
0: is. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been. Do
2: you know? What? There's a bit. Oh my God! I haven't been for years. I used to live in Burnham on Sea, and I haven't been for years and years. So we went there the other day with the kids. Mm. I said, "Okay, I forgot, I forgot how great this place was." So, and then we, we made a point to come back and spend the whole day there, which we did yesterday. So, we got there early in the day. We stayed until the night time, then we drove home late. But we had a fantastic time there. But it's just the architecture. It's, the bay is amazing. The architecture is great. There's loads to do. It's very British in, in parts. But then on the one end of the bay, it looks almost like an Italian. There's like all this sort of Italian vibe to the, to the, to the one sort of uh, end of the bay. And then at the other end, it, may, it looks like something from a from. Oh God, from like a Christopher Nolan film, right? There's a thing called Burnback Pier at the far. So if you're looking towards Wales, yeah, from Western on the right hand side, right, so towards the Seven Bridge side. I said, "Look, what is that place?" And it looks so spooky; it's ridiculous, right? Because everything's so bright and colourful, and it was a beautiful sunny day. I said, "Then there's this like island, which looks like it's from a Hollywood movie." And you get there, and it's an old pier that was the only pier in Britain that was went up to an island, not to a not just into the sea. It was used during the war as a as a testing centre for, for new weapons. And after the war fell into dis- disrepair. And from like 1979, things stopped going there. So they've closed down the pier itself. And the end of the pier has gone to absolute ruin. But it is the oh my god, it it it's black. Like, everything was, like, gold and sandy and the blue sky and the different coloured buildings and everything. with This beach looked great. And there's this, like, it looks like it's CGI. It's this dilapidated, with all these weird buildings on the end of it that the roofs have all caved in and the, obviously the windows have all gone. I must have taken, I'm not shitting you, about 30 photographs of
1: Burnback Pier Izzy loves a derelict building. Oh, tell to go there. That's her oh, favourite thing.
2: You can't go there, there's big signs saying you cannot swim out to it you cannot, Do you know tr- what? Don't, do not
1: try to walk the pier Because she doesn't listen to this podcast as She has yes. zero interest in it Definitely is. Um, That's <laughs> what I'm going to do for her birthday Which is next week I didn't, I'll take her to a derelict building And that'll be the best thing she's done this year Well you can't take her on, on to Burnbeck Pier No, no, I'm, uh, streams, no right? I'll find a derelict building in London What's the <laughs> island off Pembrokeshire? Coldy, Skorma. Skorma. No, there's there's one that is like
0: a fort.
1: I took her to a derelict petrol station once. It was the best day of our relationship. I think she just loves that oh, stuff. Oh, I'll go on a forum. I'll find a derelict building. What, for, what forum? There are loads of forums of derelict buildings because people there? break into them and take photos oh, and okay. Google
2: Burnbeck Pier right now and have a look at it.
1: Okay. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh she, God, she'd love that. Spooky as you like. I don't think we can get to Western. You can't get to Burnback Pier. No, but in uh, the this has become Burnbeck Pod. I don't know why. That's it's quite sure. impressive. Derelict building pod. I was thinking of Thorn Island. Oh, what's there then? Do not know that one?
0: Uninhabited for 10 years, only accessible by boat.
1: Ah. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: they're all about renovating Burnbeck Pier, but they've been saying that for 30 years. I'm hoping they don't. Just leave it like it is. you sponsored by Burnbeck Pier? <laughs> <They> should be. <laughs>
0: Are we being sponsored by it? Well, I, don't said, know. I
2: said, I imagine, well, Kelly said it first. She so, said, imagine filming here, because I'm always thinking about locations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You could do like a prisoner-esque... The one, the one uh, side of the bay where there's the sort of, it's almost like, like Italian palazzo sort of thing. Then you've got the new pier. Then you've got Burnback Pier. Yeah. Then you've got all the Georgian buildings. Then you've got the Victorian buildings. Then you've got, it's just
3: bloody,
2: oh, was was sponsored by Western Superman. Western Superman. And there's that, there's the, it's, it's a huge beach, but they've got, there's that little bit of danger there because they, they, there's such a massive tidal... Great range, with there's, kids. <laughs> there's like sinking mud at the end of it as well. Oh, great. Jeopardy.
1: Correct. You think quicksand's going to be far more of a problem mm. than it is when you're a Growing kid. Growing up, yeah. Yeah, no, that's up, true. You're convinced. You're like, oh, if anything's yeah. going to kill me, it's either going to be an adder or, grass or, or quicksand. If yeah. I do get a bit of mine, I'll just gotta bite it and spit it out and I'll be fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sinking sand, you always think about death by sinking sand, don't you? And you just think, well, realistically, you, you, you just get—you've got to be there for ages. Take it easy, Charlie. My foot's on the rail. No, but there's. <laughs> but every time I go over the Seven Bridge, and you see at low tide, yeah, yeah, I just think, oh, imagine if you were in there, you'd be you be in deep shit, what, deep sand, or that that's, Well, what is that mud in it? It's yeah. that horrible. Have you stuck in mud? No. Oh, horrible feeling. Yeah. Proper welly sucker when you know you come A welly mud, sucker. You know, yeah. It makes them What a way to go. What a horrible <laughs> way to die in mud. As I say, it's a cracking place for all day with the kids.
4: <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centres or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: I thought I'd see wh- whether I could freeze a protein bar the other day. That didn't work out so well. No? <laughs> no. The
2: problem with protein bars is there's a lot of... Um... Usually, animal protein in them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it just tasted like. Like
2: beef protein. Yeah, basically. Asda's own ones, the most gag inducing thing I've ever eaten yes the Yes, that's exactly what they were. Yes. Was it? it was Asda's ones that I had. Oh, beef fat in stuff that isn't chocolate. Absolutely minging. Whereas now I'm having the unspeakable luxury of a Maltese along. Bloody lovely. They're Kids masters. these days, like, well, it was such a treat to get stuff of that when I was a kid. Yeah. You have to talk about that every day, like yeah. lollies and right Yeah, and- yeah, or milkshake. i was talking about once a year for my fucking birthday.
1: <laughs> Eat Charlie <laughs> Bucket. I think uh, chalk ices <laughs> are one of those odd things that the cheaper they are, the nicer they are.
0: Really synthetic chocolate around it. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, yeah. Synthetic chocolate, supermarket own brand chocolate mm. is nicer than a, an expensive chocolate. I like that with it. salmon, tin salmon. I
2: prefer to fresh salmon. If you're a posh, you've probably never, you've never t- t- uh, experienced tin salmon.
0: You've probably never experienced fish paste either, which is lush.
2: Or fish finger sandwiches in white sliced
1: bread. Oh, now you're uh, talking d- my language. Cheap bread makes nicer toast, I think.
0: Uh, absolutely cheap white bread, yeah, best definitely. toast ever.
2: Although. We were saying faggings the other day. Yeah, we bought a jar of honey butter there from the little shop. It's delicious, mine. But the fellow said, "I saw a jar of that honey butter." He went, "It is nine pounds a jar." <laughs> it's like and it's like a half jar. Yeah. I said, no, thanks, pal. Which I, I appreciate him telling me that before he rang it through the till. Re- I like a shop assistant trying not to sell you something. Yes, yeah, so I
1: like yeah. that as well. It's fucking it's extortion British, it? nice, mate.
2: Are you sure? It's, it's really expensive what it is. <laughs> yeah. Are you mad? Yeah.
0: I, just, I, don't, I don't make the products. I just sell them to you. But I wouldn't fucking do that if I was you.
2: It's weird what you will and, will, will and won't spend money on.
0: Mm.
2: I thought, God, that is a lot for a little, a little job, which will probably last me four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. Because I only ever once a week, on, on a weekend, a bit of toast. You know. Delicious. It lasts me ages. Yeah. If that had been like, can I get two large tonics, please? No I'll problems at all. Yeah. 18
0: quid. Not, Not even there thinking about it. Yeah.
1: Be, be gone in 10 minutes. Yeah. We recorded a Michael Owens movie club a few hours ago.
0: Are you telling us to remind us?
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, remember remember? Yeah. <laughs> then the bloodline the moustache. We watched Field of <laughs> Dreams, which was made yeah. in 1988. And Kevin Costner's character buys James Earl Jones's character a beer and a hot dog, and one for himself. Two beers, mm. two hot dogs, and it comes to seven dollars. Great days,
2: yeah. beautiful glory days. Which is probably the way that I always do this. It's probably two dollars a beer and one fifty hot dog.
0: That's oh, so that was like a math GCSE question
2: then. That's proper algebra.
0: Kevin Gossner and James Earl Jones go to a ball game. 2x. <laughs> James doesn't want to go.
2: 2x plus 2y equals 7. Give me the value of x and y.
0: Right, while well, you chomp on your Malteser, no. I chose this week's documentary. So, this is on Red Bull's website. So, there's a link to it on the episode description. It is called 20 Seconds of Joy.
4: The thing is, nobody, nobody's prepared to die. But what we've done is to uh, go through that, the possibility of dying through what you're doing. And we've accepted that as a fact. And that's not normal. When uh, I first started teaching her, I remember telling her, you know, The rules of bass jump, the facts. You jump long enough, you will break bones. You're in the sport
1: long enough, you're going to watch people die. And then third, it's kind of a pointless thing to talk about, but you're going to die too. Do this long enough, it's going to kill you. If you can't deal with that, don't get
4: into bass jumping. We all think that we're invincible, you know, we don't think it's going to happen to us. She looks so tough, and she looks like she's always in control, but sometimes she's not. But she doesn't want to show it to people. I love this life too much to die. (laughs) I need to do this, because if I don't do it, I'm not a happy person. I don't live the real life right now. I'm living this dream world.
0: So this is about a base jumper, a ski base jumper called uh, Karina Holokin. I, I almost didn't pick it. Because I know that both of you are petrified of heights, mm-hmm. so I wasn't sure if this was going to be okay for you to watch.
1: I like watching I, heights on telly. What well, I don't like, I don't like being there. Okay. And I like being up high, buildings behind glass, looking at the pavement. Yeah. Fifty floors below. I would. But rather, I didn't like go ape. <laughs> I would rather jump.
2: <laughs> I would rather jump off that fjord. Yes. Cliff. With a, with a parachute on. Yes. Then sit on the edge of that cliff, showing the people what the route was which she was doing, which would give me absolute palpitations. I, I couldn't I could. I couldn't watch that bit.
0: Being on the edge is scary. I wouldn't be able to propel myself no, off
2: no, the no. edge.
1: You'd have to push me off. Yeah. But I th- couldn't do
2: it. I couldn't step off into, no. the, into,
1: the, into the void. Like Base that. jumping, for anyone who doesn't know what it is and who hasn't seen this documentary, is when you jump off something very high... Be it a bridge or you know, you leave somewhere safe and risk death, but you don't have a parachute, so you deploy it halfway down. But there is a bit when it just looks like you've jumped off a five millimeter cliff, which looks like madness. And then what they do, they especially the more experienced ones, they start showboating and they do somersaults and flips and (laughs) all sorts, and they do the. Is it wing, what, what's it called, the wing? Wingsuit, the When suit. they yeah. use the wingsuits, when it looks like, like those uh, flying squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they it does do. A bit, yes, yeah. yeah. And then they use the air currents to effectively fly, and then they think, I've had enough now, and they pull the cord on the parachute, and then they land safely. Two things. The first time you do it must be absolutely terrifying. Even, even if you have... Next level. Her innate, almost unique skill to to control her fear. Even if you have that, the first time you do it must be nerve-wracking. Let's extrapolate that a little bit further. Let's explore this thought a little bit further. The first person to have done it Mm. must have Mm. been absolutely Billy Binkbox. Because (laughs) Billy (laughs) Binkbox! Just to come up with the idea. (laughs) Just to come up with the idea. See the cliff there? I reckon I could jump off that, and then when I'm about halfway down, I'll pull. I'll pull the cord on the parachute, and then I'll land safely. We got throw. There. You haven't
2: got time to pull a cord. You got to throw your drone shooter. out. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't find it, you're gonna be, you're gonna hit the floor. Was
0: that bit where she's very casually talking about putting her trousers on, as you can't put them like oh, uh, the coat. Tuck, you know, tucking the a jacket in. in. Yeah, you yeah. gotta tuck. You got to tuck that into your trousers because you might. You might get in the way of pulling your cord,
2: and that wouldn't be good. I thought, yeah. I said no, no,
0: that really wouldn't
2: be. Joe, you know, I watched this. All I was. I really enjoyed it and I watched it with with, uh, with Kelly as well. Yeah. Who doesn't watch a lot of sports stocks. We really enjoyed it as well. Because she is, she is an impressive person. Yes. But it's like when you watch the, the free solo stuff. Yeah. At no point did I think, this is a very balanced, well adjusted person oh, who, gosh, who no. does this because she enjoys it. I mean, she's obviously, if she hadn't, spoiler alert, if she
1: hadn't had that really bad injury which shattered her legs. She yes. ends up with 20. I read about it on the BBC. Yeah. Because I, yeah. Ten minutes into the documentary, and Steph did the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I googled her because I thought, I bet you she's dead now, and she's yeah. not dead. But she, there was a cocker, her but there was a malfunction with the parachute. She, she smashed into the ground. She broke her femur with a camera. Twenty-one places, twenty-one <laughs> open fractures. So, so you got th-
2: to take four inches of her thigh out. So
1: they thought she wasn't going to walk again. But
2: there's a bit where she's in the hospital there, and it was horrific. The break. Yeah, and I said to Kelly. That breaker saved her life. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. there's no way she would have stopped doing that until she died. And she was very, the one fellow there, the American bloke that she's friends with. He's deeply irritating. He is very irritating oh, man, right? Oh, my God. Hugely. But he, he he makes he makes some great points, though. Yes. The, yeah, yeah. the one that stuck in my mind, he says, when you start doing this, you've got two jars. He said, you've got your luck jar and your experience yes. jar. Yeah, this is good. And your first jump, your experience jar is empty and your luck jar is full. He said, and when you land, you take one piece out of your, your luck jar, put it into experience jar. He says, and every time you land, you take a piece out of your, your luck jar and put it in experience And said, until you end up with just, you're very well experienced, but you've got no luck left,
1: basically. Right? So when yeah. your luck runs out, you've only got your experience to rely on. Yeah. So he just says that
2: the average age of someone, the average length of doing base jumping is six years. He said, yeah. at which point you either have been, you're just too scared to do it anymore. You just mentally can't do it. You're badly injured, yeah. so you physically can't do it, or you're dead. Yeah. He said, well, I've seen three good friends die in front of me. <laughs>
1: no, none of those options I like. No. I don't like being terrified of no. doing something, so I'll never do it again. I don't like the no. idea of being maimed, so I'm unable to do it again. And I also don't like the idea of death.
0: But the way he's so intense when he's saying these things.
1: Well, no, it's not the intensity. What annoyed me is Go that on. he says it with a glee. That I found very irritating. That might
0: be the, yeah, that might be a better word he, for it, actually.
1: He goes, th- there, You're there gonna three, see people die. There are three outcomes, okay? You're gonna see your friends die. You're gonna <laughs> break bones, okay? That's gonna
0: happen. And people, gonna that's happen. gonna happen. Well, it people so, who, people are gonna die, and so you're gonna know them.
2: It. You're gonna walk into a party, everyone's gonna think you're an asshole. That's gonna happen. Yes. It
1: happens to me all the time.
3: <laughs> okay yeah, you're gonna
1: annoying. yeah okay fine you want to get involved in base jumping okay you're gonna break bonds you're probably gonna die that's gonna happen and he <laughs> but because it hasn't happened to him yet is yeah. able to put a sheen of humor over something that is tremendously serious yeah and he probably needs that defense and i found i found that quite annoying
2: there's also it's the same thing with a lot of mates of mine who've been in the army and have been in situations where you could die mm. and where your mates do die is you almost sort of think the fact that you haven't died that you're doing it
1: right and they were yeah. doing it wrong or the and yeah. that's got to keep you going or also or you you've, you're born under a lucky star i'm the opposite i think i was born under an unlucky star and if there was world war three in conscription i would be dead on morning one
0: I think if there was World War Three in conscription, you'd be dead on morning one as well. Yeah, yeah. By half past nine. I often nine. think that. By half past You're nine.
2: You're born under a lucky star. Yeah. All you do is talk bollocks on a podcast for a living. <laughs> I'm
1: talking about. I'm talking about in a in a war situation. <laughs> you unlucky bastard. <laughs> no, I'm um, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> in a wartime situation, I would be, yeah, toast, by quarter to nine before the war had even started. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd have had a he fall. Would.
2: You're the bloke who slips over and breaks his neck, getting on the landing crap on the way to D-Day. Yes. he got to carry you to D-Day. <laughs> yeah. You're one of those unfortunate bastards who dies on the medical ship on the way home.
1: <laughs> Do you know what I always think? You know what? you see occasionally footballers who are quite badly injured being dropped off stretchers. Yes. yes. I always think That's that you. would be me. Yeah, if I yeah. broke my leg in a Premier League game. Well,
2: mate, I was going to pick the clip of the Irish boxer mm. who qualifies right. for the... Was it the semis or the qualifier? No, yeah, he qualified for the semis, couldn't
0: fight in his semi because he celebrated a bit too much.
2: Jumped up and down celebrating and sprained his ankle. Yeah. No Fine. way. Yeah, so he had to settle for yeah. a bronze, pulled out of it. Oh. British guy got through to the final. <laughs> he, fight he, was, he injured his ankle, jumping up and down celebrating his win.
1: You know the Swiss cyclist oh, who lost God. the Tour de France to Greg Lemond by eight seconds? Uh, Fignon. Uh, yeah, and every time he walks...
2: Just counted eight seconds. Rest every, of, yeah.
1: Fifth. 1,000, 1, yeah. 2,000, 3,000, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. That would be me. I would think about that sprained ankle. I'd never get over that.
2: I mean, hopefully in three years' time, he can get a... Oh, he'll be fine. He's a good boxer.
1: Yeah, very, a very boxer. good.
2: He'll be
0: pro and he'll do well. What
2: well. a way to do your bloody ankle, though, isn't it? But watching this, mate, like, the whole thing, Kelly at the nail on the head, because like, so, so if you don't know the story, if you haven't seen it, so the, the mum and dad uh, have split up the divorce in... Oh, thanks, babe. Okay, brought me a coffee, speak of the devil. Thanks, babe. They decide to go on holiday as a family, even though they're, they're separated. Yeah. And they take the daughter with them, take Karina with them. On the way home, there's a very bad car crash and the mother is almost killed and is in a coma for a long, long time. Yeah. And it's basically brain damage from then to now. I mean, she's still, still alive. I, I, I assume she died in the crash, but she doesn't. She's still around. So Kelly said, well, if, if she's lived through that and she sees where her mother's oh, like yeah. no short term memory, she must think, Fuck it, We're only here once. I I, th- I absolutely think that's it.
0: And I think, you know, uh, yeah, her her relationship with her father's quite uh
2: God, that was weird. When she weird says, one. Well, yeah. Came home at like fifty she was told she couldn't go to the mountains and she turns up anyway, sees her dad there. And she comes home and there's a post it note on her bag mm. saying, This isn't your home anymore. Yeah. I, would, I said, I I said. I can't imagine doing that to my kids. And then we were, we were talking about it, and Kel was like, well, I bet she was hard to live with, though. I So I bet she was. Yeah. Bet, but it wouldn't matter how hard they were to live with. Yeah. Can you ever imagine saying to your... We've all got kids. Can you imagine yeah. saying to your kids at 15 years of age, you don't belong here anymore, this is not your home. But
1: also, if she's hard to live with, it's because at the age of four she was involved in a car accident that brain damaged her mum and put her mother in a coma. Gosh, yeah. it's hard yeah. to live with. So yes. you, you cut yeah. your child some slack in that scenario. Your dad comes across... He, he comes, comes across, across not very you, badly. Yeah, not not well.
0: I, I, yeah, I agree.
1: And he also, he writes it in a... I don't know if this is... Because it, it, it was probably written in Norwegian. It might be I was going a, a, a second-language translation. translation issue. But the way, yeah. way it comes across in the doc is that he writes, uh, you are no longer welcome, or this is no longer your home. This is no longer your home, yeah. Um, yeah. And his name, as opposed to dad... That's right. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ellie. This is no longer your home, Mike. Michael.
2: No, sorry. Just this is no longer your own. And then she and then she rationalizes it like you have to do as a kid, I suppose, of her saying, well, oh, "I was lucky that that happened because really, I think it's maybe it's brought us closer together." I think. Yeah. You don't know the difference. You don't know that you don't know the other side of it. That's why your very upset, very hurt, fifteen-year-old mind has gone. Well, you know, this is. Probably done for all the right reasons. No, yeah. it's not. That was an asshole of a thing to do. Yes, by your by your dad. But Just I think it makes your dad a fucking selfish dickhead. But I mean, obviously you can't think that because that would drive you mad.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. You don't want to think. But also, all of those things, or both of those things rather, then phew, go a long way to informing. You always think, why do people do these things? But like no, Kelly don't. said, why wouldn't you do this now? The yeah.
1: thing I find amazing about base jumpers or even anyone involved in those extremely dangerous extreme sports is the first time you base jump you, you do it in the least flashy, least risky or most risk averse way and yeah. then by the time you're confident you're doing flips, you're doing somersaults you're <laughs> flicking the V's at the camera you're sticking your tongue out, you're doing <laughs> devil horn, rocks, star, star signs like anything, like the first time, I cycled to Brixton to get the tube, which is about three and a half miles from my house. Every time, a, like every time, but like every time a lorry passed yeah. me, I shut myself. Yes. And yeah. you think, "Fucking hell, here we go, here we go." And then now I don't even think about it. Now you're a base jump. <laughs> <laughs> but you do something enough we times, you and you become completely desensitized to that thing. Absolutely. In the same yeah. way that the first time you play adult rugby, having played schools rugby. Yeah. You know, that first big tackle, you're going to think, fucking hell, I'm in a game here. Three games later, you're used to it. And it's the yes. same with base jumping. Now, I was I was watching them and I was thinking, if I had to base jump, I don't know what scenario this is where my children are being held to ransom and the only way I could get them back is if I successfully complete a base jump. Like Keanu Reeves. Or I, mean? I would jump off and I would deploy my parachute immediately and then hope for the best.
0: Not even, probably too early, if anything. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You
1: can't do it too early or you'll crash (laughs) into the cliff and you'll die. That's the thing. So, what happens is, so they do that and then they're like, actually, that's uh, base jumping, throwing myself off a thousand meter cliff isn't exciting enough anymore. What I want to do is, I want to hug the cliff. I want to be, or the cliff Mm. face, I want to be as close to the cliff face as possible for as long (laughs) as possible before deploying my parachute. So then they start doing that.
0: And they do it on skis.
1: It's, oh, my God. Well, skiing off a cliff, which just looks like insanity. I think it's very telling that the film is dedicated to the cameraman who has died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the, the the credits, as the credits roll, is lots of footage of him, you know, with a camera strapped to his head, yeah. jumping off cliffs and, yeah, you know, sticking his tongue out and doing somersaults and all that kind of stuff. I mean,
2: the, the analogy that you get desensitised is, is bang on, the observation, is certainly not the analogy, but... Um, yeah. So when she was saying tandem skydive to skydive to lots of skydives to base jumping, yes, to base jumping with that skiing off off a thing to skiing with that I just and to bat suits, to all the other stuff. You just every single time she did, and she mentions this, you know. There's a, you've got to make it more excited, more dangerous, more risky. Yeah. Well, there's only one way that can end. Yes, it can't yeah, end yeah. any other way.
1: the other? We're talking about the her slightly irritating friend.
0: Yeah Yeah.
1: If you are that's gonna happen that part that part of Norway (laughs) I'm gonna irritate you. That part of Norway is a real mecca for base jumpers. Because the cliffs Mm. is just so perfect for it. So what they because the people were just turning up and doing it and you know, unsupervised and unregulated, they thought, okay, well let's regulate and try and make it as safe as possible. So if you want a base jump, you need to have done a minimum of two hundred and fifty skydives yeah. that's the rule that's the base level right so she's she turns up and she's done 25 skydives so she talks to her American friend who you know they're going to be quite close and she's like oh I want to do it how many skydives are, how many skydives have you done 25 okay so that's that's 10% of the amount of skydives she's meant to have done he yeah. goes well let's have a look at you skydiving then. he has a look at her skydiving he's like oh you're great at skydiving yeah fine it'll probably be fine I imagine if she <laughs> fucked it up that first wrong. base jump. That's completely his You'd fault. You'd be taking a logbook
2: home to fill it in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it be, be a zero in a different <laughs> coloured pen. Another jump today. Went good. Lots <laughs> of fun jumping. <laughs> no problem. 97. <laughs> 250. Oh, it was 25. <laughs> oh, sorry, I misread it. Sorry, sorry. Can I just say as well, put my old school hat on for a second, if I may.
0: You absolutely may.
2: Oh, good looking at the people in this.
0: Everybody in it, everyone like in it. This all with her sports. and her mates. They're and thought, all attractive. my attractive
2: God. Like we met a lovely couple over at we were on honeymoon in Venice from from Norway, Dag and Inga. They were lovely. I'm still still in touch with the two of them now. Yeah, are you? You're weird, my swinger. <laughs> oh no, do you know what he was great? So if you've been, been, you been, you been to Venice, yes, I have. Yes, it's like a rabbit warren, isn't it? I mean, it's yes. just
0: yeah, impossible. Why so the going?
2: first night there on honeymoon, uh, we met this couple, Dag and Inga, Norwegians, right? He was a fucking great bloke, Dag. He'd been all over the world, and she had, uh, you know. And uh, we get to chat with them. They'd been to Wales. They had friends from North Wales, right? He said, Yekita when he picked this. I thought, right, I love this bloke, right? <laughs> so I'm on the piss with Dag and Inga. We both were. Kelly drank a load of Campari.
1: Sick everywhere.
2: Yeah, Oh, she made me on the way back through St Mark's Square. Uh, I think I might have mentioned that before. No, there was a bloke there, one of those. Um, Selling, you know the blokes who sell the roses and the stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. You come, trying try and have a, a quiet cup of coffee. They can a rose for the other lady and all this. Fuck off, man Well, he was, he'd finished night it was like it was like midnight.
3: <laughs> all these
2: dead roses left that he was gonna <laughs> I was gonna dispose of. She made me buy all the roses, right? Because he was battered. So we wake up the next morning. there's <laughs> about four hundred roses in the
0: bed. Dead petals everywhere.
2: I mean, I had him in bulk. I spent about 20 quid for the lot, I think. So <laughs> then the next day, we were trying to find this bar we'd arranged to meet him in the next day. And we couldn't find it because we'd been pissed and Venice is unbelievable. We've gone all these little bridges and down these canals and over this bridge. And then we said, oh, come on, we'll go back. We'll have a drink back. And I just hear, Mike! Kelly! And then, like, down this canal, there's Dag on this bridge, waving to go, Dag! On the piss again with him. What a top man. Oh, so <laughs> we've been saying for... That was 2007. For, uh, yeah. We've been saying we're going to go on the pitch with Dag and Inga for 14 years. We, and we're still in touch. We haven't been. But they're from northern Norway. Okay. So, And he's, he's talking about that. You've got to come and see the fjords. Come you know, base jumping
0: it. with me, Mike. No, if thanks.
2: <laughs> no, no. The sex people, Kelly. The sex people. <laughs> but what a part of the world. And he was showing us. Like I remember the time showing us photographs of, uh, of Norway thinking, bloody hell, oh, that's a good looking place that is.
1: But what good-looking people? The Scandinavians in general, I would say, are a very good-looking bunch. Oh, what! I like the fact that her mates are all,
0: nope. don't get it, don't understand what she's up to. Well, I thought... I quite uh, like that. Her friends are yeah. normal, and
1: also I thought, because of her insatiable thirst for adrenaline and danger, she quite often yeah. says, quite wistfully, I don't know if I can have a normal life. I don't know if I can sit down and work in an office... Currently, my life is like a dream life. You know, I'm paid to base jump. I'm paid to ski. Eventually, this is going to come to an end because you're an athlete and you can't be an athlete forever. But I don't think... I just think I'd be bored. And she's clearly slightly conflicted about this. I did think to myself, if you're constantly pushing the edge, pushing the envelope like she does, imagine going out with her if you weren't an extreme into extreme sports. If you're just a normal person who worked in the post office... So
0: like <laughs> nights in. Nothing
1: you did would be good enough oh, yeah. for it. No. I bet you she loves super hot curries and I yeah. bet she loves drinking to excess or whatever. I, I, I bet she doesn't do anything by halves.
0: No, coming back with a Chinese on a Saturday night with a video
2: for a Blockbuster. No. <laughs> Her best make the
0: best mate,
1: the... Block... Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Her best mate, the, the freckly girl, there, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And she says... Um, she says something that really, I really completely agree with early on, because I, I assumed she was another base jumper and she's not. She's just one yeah. of her mates who says there's all this thing, that, you know, if you, if you're not sort of living on the edge, you're taking up too much room, and you know, if you don't. She's, and he and "That's just bullshit." Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is, you know. I, I don't, I don't think my life is remotely <laughs> unfulfilled because I don't jump off a fucking cliff, right? I love my life like it is, thanks very much, right? Yeah. If you want to jump off a cliff, you crack on. Yeah, enjoy I think self. it's a bloody stupid idea, personally. I'll bad. climb up a mountain and walk down it. You're not living on the edge, man. You're taking up too much room. Fuck off. Go and get a new
1: car sticky, you dildo. I'd love to show my dad this because I wouldn't say he's risk-averse, but he's, he's sensible, and he would just think it's madness. But that's fine sense. And that's fine. But also, like, with her... Underrated. But like, Fine's fine as well. Fine's fine is okay. fine. Yeah, Fine's I'm good. fine. With her um, parents, her father in particular, what? he says, her father's, I think... A bit like her in terms of his attitude to risk. Yes. They're identical, the two. And ones. he says, Right, okay. He says, Okay, I'm not really happy about you doing it, but if you are going to base jump off a thousand meter cliff, then um, call me when you're done.
0: Call me when you land. If
1: Betty or Steph got into this, I'd be heartbroken. Yes. Because it's and you know terrifying what? and it's dangerous we, and they go. It was die.
2: the same with the free solo climbing, with the relationship yeah. with his parents and stuff. It's a very, there's a fine line between you want your kids to enjoy themselves and express themselves and do what they want to do. A big part of me wanted her dad to say, I love you. Please Please don't do this anymore. Yes. 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 And I'm sure somewhere deep inside, she wants to hear that one day. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, you might be right, actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I don't think that would stop her from doing it.
2: Well, Kelly watched it and she said before um, Karina mentioned it herself, she just went, oh, this, how super dangerous it was and this, this, that. She went, that'll change if she had kids. Yes. So Kelly said straight away. And yeah. then she said, but when she has a family, then she's got another responsibility. She's got, you're not just responsible for yourself then, are you? Exactly. So so I think she lives in a, in a bubble where, because of, I think, for her background, she's the most important person in life is her, right? Or, you know, it's not her dad and it's not her mum. But then when there's another person in her life, if she had a kid, then that would be the most important. So then you're staying alive, not just for yourself. I don't think she cares if she lives or dies, right? That no. where I I do care because, yeah, yeah. I think, Maybe I didn't used to. I surely don't do shit now that I used to do when I was in my twenties. Because now I'm thinking about Kelly and the kids. But there was always a bit of me, even before, even in my twenties. I still had a mum and a dad and a sister. Yes, I absolutely. Didn't wanna, I didn't want them to come enough to identify my. And I wanted to well.
1: get. And I wanted to grow old. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a similar thing to um, when older people complain about grey hairs or wrinkling or whatever. Growing old is a privilege because some people aren't lucky enough to grow old. And the thing with her. uh, but she's very privileged like charlie But you know this this attitude she has towards risk i read an interview with her from a couple of years ago and she was saying the thing with the body the amazing thing with the body is that body doesn't remember pain yes so i know that after my accident i had periods of of 12 hours where they couldn't give me painkillers or enough painkillers to work so I was screaming in agony for 12 hours because she had 21 open fractures of her femur, which is
2: as an injury. Well, the x ray looked like a jigsaw, but it? it was just nothing there. Yeah. And
1: also, I bet you the doctors thought, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> I bet there was a, you know, that sharp intake of breath when they wheeled her in. Also, one reason she was lucky, it was an event that she was base jumping at. So there were paramedics on site. If they had just done that, off some fjord off, or some cliff. She could have been lying Ooh. there for an hour before the ambulance. Well, she'd have, she'd have bled to death, probably, because she lost three litres of blood in the ambulance.
2: Get Bert Lancaster. <laughs> oh. but, <laughs> stop oh, checking for hot
1: dogs. Of course I wasn't pastry jumping and eating in my bastard. My femur's sticking out on my leg. <laughs> but as far as injuries go, it's, I mean, indescribable or unthinkable pain. And it's 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 saved her life, as Mike said earlier on. She now does TED talks and she does sort of motivational speeches and stuff. And I bet you she's bored out of her mind.
2: <laughs> oh I, I bet every day's a yeah.
1: I bet I know. I bet you it's tortuously boring doing what yeah. she does
2: now. Well, I bet it is, as all. That's interesting. The thing with the pain thing uh, we do, we don't we don't give birth, and that's the way that it works, right? But I remember uh, reading about this ages ago and talking about it. The pain of childbirth is so Massive, right? If, if you're pregnant, and listen to this for the first time, and you're gonna just about to give birth. I apologise, right? It's gonna kill. It's gonna be really, <laughs> from what I from what I could gather from being in the room, indescribably painful, right? Yeah. But Cal said, within three or four months of that, you start going. Well, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like a, you know, because the way that maybe it's the way the women are wired up. I don't know. No, I, mm. I, I think it's is it, it, that you think you've got you've got a very short memory when it comes to pain. Yes, that's true. How painful something was. Otherwise, you'd never have another kid.
1: Yeah. No one would ever have another kid.
2: Yeah, yeah that would be but it. the Human race would be gone in 40 years because you'd just have one kid and that'd be done. But she's gone through that, and I bet you now, even though she's physically incapable, yeah. she's she's probably, you know, having a cup of coffee at that TED Talk, like Elle said, bored shit, let's go in. It wasn't that bad.
1: If, uh, if you are pregnant for the first time and you haven't given yeah. birth yet, it is a spectrum. All the best. It is a spectrum. Good. Luck. And when Steph was born, my son, at 1 or 2, Izzy was eating shepherd's pie, and at one twenty-seven, yeah. I was holding him. Really? Yeah. What a shepherd's pie. To the pie. extent that the doctors said, because w- it was very quick with Betty as well, if you have a third, you have to tell us how quickly you give birth. <laughs> um, so that we can plan for this, because she was 30 seconds away from giving birth in the lift.
0: Oh, wow. She was not on the Labor Well, ward.
1: Kelly, because she's got a daft
2: pain threshold, right? Like a lot of women have, like we're talking about now. We remember, I was doing the time, I said, we've got to go, Kelly, when Ben was born, the first one. We, we need to go now. No, 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 she said, you know, a, I'm, so I'm doing the time, and she said, and we've got to go now, and she was like puffing oh, and no. puffing. And so we eventually, t- I took her into the, she won't mind me saying this, I took her into the hospital about 3 o'clock or whatever it was, Waters broke in the car, and by the time we get her in, she's like eight centimetres dilated. They, yeah. say, they, said they said, You could have given birth in the car. This is why didn't you come in earlier? I said, I've been telling her to come in
1: for four hours. Yeah, with, uh, with Izzy, because I'd come back from Cardiff, so at one or two, she's eaten a shepherd's pie. And because Steph was premature, we didn't have a lot of the stuff we needed, so our friend Debbie from NCT. No salt, I'd, pepper, nothing. Gone to same and got nappies and vests and all this sort of oh, stuff. Oh right, right, yeah. <laughs> so I've got, I've got this text message on my phone. This, so one or two, she's like, "I'm done." Can <laughs> you get me some HP sauce? Come on, <laughs> some salt, some I black pepper. I cannot eat
0: this without HP. You know that.
2: <laughs> and a slice, of just ordinary white bread, buttered. I don't, don't think that I'm that being is... unreasonable. M- mopping up all the meat juice <laughs> with
1: ketchup will not fucking do. <laughs> so. It's, it's, it's amazing, so at one or two I get a text message from Debbie saying I'm downstairs with all the stuff. So I reply, I'll be there in a second. So I go downstairs and she's like, um, take go out like nappies and vest and I thought because you might be in for a couple of days I've got a mug because it's nice to drink out of a proper mug and not a polystyrene cup. Uh, and I've got uh, you know blah, blah blah all sorts of stuff right all the things you could possibly need. And I said oh thanks. I remember saying you going on on holiday. And she said yeah, we're going on cent- to Centre Parks on Monday actually. I said oh which one? Oh the one by Bedford. Oh we went there. It was good. And I thought anyway I should probably get back. You should probably crack on. I went upstairs, one one fifteen. As he said, do you mind get me some painkillers? And I said yeah yeah fine. So I went to the desk. I said oh she'd got like some uh, pain relief. And they said she had paracetamol two and a half hours ago so I went back I said you've had paracetamol two and a half hours ago and she said what's I, wrong with you I wouldn't mind something I said alright so I went back to the desk I said "She, the paracetamol's worn off so she wouldn't mind something I said "We'll come and have a look at her they took one look at her they were like go 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 so they pushed her on the bed she practically gave birth in the lift we weren't on the labour ward they pushed her into the room that uh, we were at Kings in South London, big big right. hospital. TV lounge. Well,
2: people playing pool. The room, huh?
1: the room they because it practically <laughs> happened in the corridor. The room they, they pushed her into was the room that is reserved for film stars, where it's ten thousand yes. quid a night. And yes, the, please. The, the birthing partner has a bed, there's a TV and there's a kitchen where you can eat and stuff. And we got a circle crew. around his face when he got in the lift <laughs> we, we,
0: to the midwife. We were
1: only in there for ten minutes. Come on! At one twenty-seven, he was born. Like peep show. The midwife, <laughs> the, mid, the midwife come on. who delivered the baby, was the only nurse in the room that had gloves on. Gold gloves. I mean, that's how that's how quick it was.
2: <laughs> Tiara with a red cross in the front made of ruby. <laughs> no,
1: so we got we we, we got the ten thousand pound room for ten minutes. Beautiful. And then they pushed us back into the yeah. Uh, come on, uh,
2: there you
0: go.
1: Into the uh, normal labour ward. But yeah, piece of piss. <laughs> <laughs> Take anything from this.
0: Give it bird. Piece of piss.
1: But the, the doctors did say this is, I mean, this is nuts. You know, you've, you've, because also he was quicker than Betty. They were like, if you have a third, it'll be done and dusted in about 40 seconds. You need
2: to. <laughs> God, Eddie, Eddie was worse than Ben. We had all sorts of issues wrapped around the cord and all oh, sorts horrible, of yeah. Oh, my God. What? What a drama. What a drama. Fair play
1: to any woman who's given birth. Tip of the hat to you. Yes. Because um, it's like base jumping. I kind of get it, but I would never do it myself. No. <laughs> no. I'm happy
2: to watch documentaries about it, but I'm not doing it myself.
1: <laughs> I will watch Call the Midwife.
0: <laughs> a documentary. A Let's do a podcast
2: on giving birth, even though we've never given birth. <laughs> oh, no. so, so far, to... we've offended everyone
0: in Ireland slash yeah. Northern Ireland. And yeah. no, all women.
1: T- no, no tip. I mean, absolute tip of that. Yeah, it's an extraordinary thing, and I would never, ever, ever take the piss out of um, pregnancy or childbirth. Not that I ever well, did I would, before, but you know, I would for a laugh. Oh no, look at the material, no. was,
2: wasn't it? I like, have got some good <laughs> stuff about childbirth. And Kelly just, if Kelly's at a show and I'm doing my childbirth stuff, you just, uh, she in red going, yeah. You wanker. You know. have no oh, idea. Oh,
1: no, it's. Um, Last laugh, was not it? No, it's,
2: uh, yeah. Well, uh, like, nothing but respect for the Oh, know. yeah. And for the f- absolute phalanx of medical staff. Yes. Like, because when Ellie was born, all sorts of warning signs went off and warning. Lights. Yeah, we had the same abet, yeah. Next thing, there was probably
1: 30 people in the room.
2: Doctors Yet. and consultants and midwives and nurses. And, all and that I became
1: painfully aware of how useless I was in that moment.
2: Oh, I was like a fucking flapper skin. I was used Yeah.
1: Two podcasters no. in the corner. <laughs> no fucking
0: use to anyone. No.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. no,
2: enormous, enormous respect because I just. I told you when they are trying to get Ben out the first time and they couldn't put the paper gown over my head because <laughs> I got such a big, sweet, 63 centimeter head if I mentioned it before on you. I think you have. And they're trying to get the paper gown over, and the nurse said, You've got a really big head, haven't you? And Kelly went, It's a bit of a sore subject. <laughs> <laughs> now well, is not she's, the time. Yeah,
1: she smiles with the tears. Oh, my practice. sister's a, a midwife. Just what a job. You know, and admittedly, we started podcasting up past nine this morning, but that is, that's a proper job. We're podcasting? <laughs>
2: yeah. But, but, so, watching, they come back to this for a second.
1: Yeah. How stunning
2: an area, like those fjords. Just geologically, yeah, amazing. How I was thinking when she said a thousand meters, I always go back to feet. That I go, well, that's about three thousand feet. Yeah, and my stock thing in my mind is, I always think the CN Tower in Toronto, which I think the tallest thing I've been up, is about fifteen hundred feet. Well, Snowden yeah, is so, three so, so thousand. I so. thought that's twice the height of the CN Tower. Yeah, a sheer drop of rock. That is unbelievable. How does that happen? And w- what manner of maniac? Thinks there's got to do the jump off that. And even that I was thinking when they when that bit when they're landing by the fjord, right? I think this when I watch some stuff when they when they show like the uh, the early sort of space capsules, or some still do, landing in water. I thought, if you land in the fjord, they're really, really deep, they're really, really cold. Yes. And you're basically wrapped in silk and string yes. and rope. I don't get there's it. There's every chance you could drown there. Yes. Every chance. You could survive the fall, the, the chute opens, everything goes well you land in a fjord and drown.
1: Well, when she has the accident, um, it's mm. just a malfunction. It's no one's fault. It's just one oh. of those things.
2: You can
0: see this one on Red Bull TV. So there's a link to it on the website. It's called 20 Seconds of Joy. I think if it wasn't for the accident that she has that means that she can't do this again, I probably wouldn't have picked it because mm. I would constantly be worried that she would wind up dying as a result of doing it. So, in a way, this is probably the only sort of one that I would watch of these, if that makes sense. And I
2: don't want to tell people how to live their lives, but I would rather you didn't solo climb or
1: base jump. Please. thank you. No. Thank you. A great example of how weird people can be, that there's a community of people who are desperate to do this. Because as someone who did struggle at Grow Ape Ape two weeks ago... (laughs) it's not my thing.
2: I told you I I had to get my daughter off to bring the ladders out.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I I was so relieved. Part of me was thinking, thank God. Get terrified of this stuff early on.
4: (laughs)
0: Right, it is time for some of you to go away. And it is time for us to disappear into Patreon land. You won't be told. You won't be told. You will not listen. We have tried our best. We have content we wish to give to you. That's from Nuts in May. Now
2: be told. (laughs) (laughs) What is Nuts in May?
1: Oh, Nuts in May is a Mike Lee film. It's the first sort of mockumentary from the mid-70s. I think you'd really like it, actually. It's a... one of the cast is a rugby player from Cardiff. It's about a social worker and his wife who go camping. It's really, really Nuts funny. Nothing me, yeah. Oh, I'm really there. surprised haven't you haven't seen that. Actually, it's from about 1976. Now be told.
2: Last time yeah. somebody said they were surprised I hadn't seen something, it was the Sweeney. Like, I absolutely
1: loved it. So, have you, you go. Go. seen Abigail's Party? No, no. Oh my God, you love Abigail's Party. Unfortunately, no sport at all. <laughs> So, we can't do it from Michael Owens' movie club, but I would, I would recommend those two films. Okay, good. Okay, thank you.
2: That's good. Just out of the film pod, should yeah, we? Yeah, which a proper film pod.
0: Be constricted. Yeah. A straight jacket of this <laughs> Exactly.
1: <laughs> right. Keith, Keith, the kings and queens in all of their finery, Keith. You okay? So that's that, that's, that's meant. <laughs> Quoting stuff that no one else has seen (laughs) Yeah but some of our listeners Would have seen it They'll be loving that Uh, Oh oh, I
0: love
3: it
0: More more of that sort of thing (laughs) Patreon.com slash distantpod Is where you can see what you can get Um, We put a Michael Owen's Movie Club out for you last week Every month you get an episode of that As part of the deal If you sign up to the top two layers Of the Patreon If you sign up just generally then you get an extra round of clips every single episode. And that is what we are disappearing to do now.
2: And you help us out. You help us out. You help us do things. You help us keep making it.
0: That's the point. Exactly. We use the money to make this part happen.
2: I spunk it on mortgage and food. Yeah,
0: Absolutely throwing it away <laughs> on sustaining life. Hello Ellis, Steph and Mike fans, I'm Danny Wallace
2: and I host the Manatomy podcast alongside Phil Hilton. Each week we talk to a well-known
1: man about his body, the bits he loves, the bits he doesn't, the strange hang-ups and the tiny victories. Men like Adam Buxton. My dad used to try and cheer me up by saying, you're taller than Napoleon and Genghis Khan. For a nine-year-old it's like... What the fuck are you on about, you crazy old bastard? <laughs> Tim Minchin. If some wanker on the internet says, oh, you're sitting around smoking cones and getting the doll or whatever some dickhead says on the internet, I literally have this thought, it's like, I'll fight you. <laughs> and
2: soon, Mike Bubbins. My wife takes the piss and uh, tells people I got tangerine balls. Um, I wouldn't say they would... I think tangerine's exaggerating, but there's certainly a decent sized to start soon, bro. Bubbins is coming soon to Manatomy, and while you wait for stories of his tangerine balls, there's a whole host of other men being open, honest and funny. Manatomy. Wherever
1: you get your podcasts.
0: Your book choice, Al?
1: It is my book choice and it is part of my cycling odyssey. I was thinking oh, wow. This. When you're 40, you don't really get into new stuff very often. It's like you don't often Mm -hmm. make new friends when you're in your 40s as well. Obviously, it can happen, but it's less likely to happen, say, than when you're, you know, Mm. 19 or something. And when you're a teenager, especially, you're, you know, you're 13 and you're into stickers, (laughs) football stickers, and then six months later, you could be into grime music or punk (laughs) music or something just completely different.
2: Crack. crack, Crack, Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But with cycling... Um, I'm just dis- I'm discovering the world of cycling, specifically the Giro, the Tour de France. So the book I've chosen is Richard Moore's Etap, the untold stories of the Tour de France's defining stages. So it's exactly that. They're very short chapters. Why Etap?
2: What's Etap mean? Is it stage in, fr- in French?
1: Or oh, tap? it might be. Now, I must admit, what I really need is the Osborne guide to... Uh, cycling tactics, because I still don't really understand the nuances of certainly team cycling and tactics, Um, you know, support riders or domestiques, as they're called, super domestiques, as Geraint was for so long uh, as part of Team Sky, where, you know, you are riding on behalf of the person that your coach and your team owner thinks is going to win the Tour or the Giro, or, you know, whatever it is you're taking part in. I still don't really understand the tactics of cycling although i've been trying my best to learn and also if i was reading a history say of the world cup certainly post war i probably would know the players involved or i certainly know some of them or the most famous ones they might be discussing goals i'd already seen and i would be able to imagine it more because it's all new to me i and because the names are all tend to be you know french or italian or belgian yeah. I'm getting my phineons mixed up with my Sassignons, I would admit. Yeah. And I often don't know what they look like, although there are some photos in the book. But in terms of storytelling, cycling lends itself pretty much like un- unlike any other sport, I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And so I don't really understand the finer points of what I'm reading. But as stories, how many ch- I'm about halfway through. There are twenty there are twenty Chapters in the book.
2: Well, that killing the badger, doc. I didn't know anything about the tactics of cycling. But I just found it fascinating. it Yeah, I find that level of a dedication fascinating. I found that level of competition fascinating. And I
1: just, I'm aware now that I've just discovered my new thing, and it's going to be cycling. I think. So next time round, I didn't watch a huge amount of the tour this um, this year because it clashed with the Euros, and I was so busy working at the Euros. Well, i
2: already said. I mentioned on here, and I said at the Kelly. For my 50th next year, doing the various things. Yeah. I would absolutely love to go to France and watch a stage or two of the Total Front. There we go.
1: Yeah. And do you know what? Because this book. It can't be that hard. This book does involve, or it does um, include stages where there was doping, especially the, ni- especially the 90s ones. You know, doping is problematic for a myriad of different reasons. But I was talking to a friend of mine who was obsessed with cycling and has been for years and years. He said one of the things it spoiled was that years and years ago, before anyone was using this stuff EPO etc if you thought okay fuck it I'm going for it and you you go for a breakaway on a mountain stage and you pull it off that's a huge risk because you but your body won't recover in time for the next stage yeah so you're weighing all this stuff up you're like okay well if I go for this in the you know I'll or whatever then I'm I'm really going to feel it tomorrow so you know is it worth it can i sustain the stuff but he was saying when they're if if they're on drugs they can they just recover and then they're fine and i read i read another book um which will be my choice next time another cycling book and he was saying the route what supported for me was especially with lance armstrong was he got into cycling in 87 when stephen roach the um the irish cyclist who won the tour yeah. de france that year he won this you know ridiculously hard mountain stage and at the end of it it's quite a famous uh, it's quite a famous clip which is probably on YouTube somewhere where he's just absolutely spent he's delirious with tiredness. He's hysterical with tiredness. And this guy was watching at home on channel four and he's like, right, this is the sport for me. And then ten years later in the midnight in the late nineties he goes to watch that same stage. And Lance Armstrong does it, and he just cycles past him like he's cycling to the shops. It's like, hang on, <laughs> God, <laughs> it's, it's, something's not right,
0: dear. I remember listening to Lance talking about when Geraint won on Alpe d'Huez when he won that stage. I remember listening to Lance because he does a podcast during the tour. Now you said, the times these guys are doing now, they're just so much slower than we, when we were going up. they
1: like, well, yeah, of course they fucking are. Yeah, there's a reason Burke. for that. Because you were on drugs. You were on loads of drugs. And yes. also, everyone knows it.
0: It was just the least self-aware sentence I'd ever heard anyone say. He's not a
2: remarkably self-aware bloke,
0: <laughs> No, he? there is that.
1: So obviously it's changed the it's changed the tactics of the sport as well as the times that are capable uh, that the the cyclists are capable of. Mm. So this this book there are stages from the early seventies I think is probably the the earliest one. There's an early Eddie Merckx stage from 1971. Yeah, there's nothing really prior to 71, but it's sort of seventies, eighties, and nineties up to the 2000s. And again, yeah, in terms of storytelling is great and because i think cycling is going to be my new thing well i know it is if you have any recommendations yes. cycling books me do do um send them to me on twitter your agent actually mike andy sent me a long email this morning with a load of cycling books that he's read so i'm going to work my way through oh there. he's
2: obsessed with it mate obsessed he loves it
1: but it's exciting it's exciting to get into it to develop effectively a new hobby so to keep you going between euros That's yeah TV work, but
2: well, <laughs> it felt like a pitch, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, here
0: I'll, I'll
1: do yeah. the tour every other year.
0: Like uh SWC cover the tour every year. Al. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It's interesting that you're interested in cycling now. Well, Per, per-, per-, per- cover the, the Giro, doesn't,
1: doesn't he? Mm. But uh, yeah, so you I and Pareda yeah, Gareth Reese Owen. Yeah, Gareth and Pareda have got that so up. But, but I don't know anywhere near enough to cover it on S4C. Well, that's the, that's the, the
2: moment, angle. That's your pitch. Yeah. In six, month, in yeah. six months' There's time. There's your pitch, mate. you worked in the industry long yeah. enough. No. Oh. That's irrelevant how much he knows about it. <laughs> Come on. That's the joy, is it? The, the, the viewer gets to learn with you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like all those videos Nahal was doing during the Olympics, all those fun videos. That's why you get,
2: that's why you get me on for the reading section on it. It's all <laughs> the same sort of thing, isn't it? Imagine 18 months ago when he couldn't read at all.
1: That's it.
0: He's developing.
1: Brilliant. So what's it called? That It one? is called Itap by Richard Moore, The Untold Stories of the Tour de France's Defining Stages. Excellent. Right.
0: So that is us for this episode. Uh, Next week... I'm I'm hallucinating. Same here. We've done a mega record. So last week's episode, which was the Michael Owens Movie Club we did today, the second half of the episode before we did today. Next week, we're going to put out a best of from 2021. Okay, so a load load of you have been in touch with your favourite bits. So we'll bang you out a best of extra content on that one, of course, for the Patreons. So you will not be shortchanged in Patreon land. Do not worry. Um, Yeah, so basically get in touch with us. I've no idea when this is going out anymore. (laughs) We've basically smashed these together so that we can can have holidays. Live tickets available via the website. Live tour merchandise. Available via the website as well. So head over to distantpod.com and you can see all the stuff that we want. You oh to also do. mate,
2: get over to get over to Oh go on. Mikebubbins.com, my stand up tours on uh, on sale now. Excellent. For, for early next year. Lovely.
0: Good. There we go. That'd be nice.
2: There you go. So distantpod.com, mikebubbins.com. Have they updated it? Well they I I have updated it. Yeah. Do you? Just the gigs bit. I can't oh, be honest. That's quality oh I'm impressed don't click on the video links them work but I mean
0: uh, <laughs> Good
2: the dates luck. are on there dates are on there rest of it dog shit <laughs>